Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight is episode 14 titled Right Down Broadway, because tonight we have on Old Miss star pitcher Taylor Broadway. And guys, I'm excited we get a chance to recap the Ole Miss season. We're going to get some inside info on a regional championship down there in Oxford and talk about what it was like being a bullpen guy and putting the team on your back and telling the coach, let me have the ball. I'm starting game three of a super regional. Man, there's a lot on the docket, a lot to get to. So let's get right into it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, Ole Miss pitcher Taylor Broadway. Taylor, my man, what's up? How are we doing tonight? Doing great. How are you? Man, we are blessed. We are good, and we're excited to have you, man. It's been quite the whirlwind of a season, um, and we're going to get to all that. But first thing, you know, every, ga- every guest that we have that's new to the show, we always got to get the backstory. So, you know, I did some research, and it's no surprise. You're a, a Texas guy, born and bred. Cypress, Texas, man. What? What goes down in Cyprus, man? Where is it at? Uh, so Cyprus is basically, I, I don't even, I don't know how to do it based on north, south, east, west, but it's right, it's right outside of, of Houston. It's just like if you were to look at, you know, saying Arlington and Dallas, kind of that, it's kind of one of those things. So I'm really still, you know, considered from Houston, but it's Cyprus, Texas. It's really uh, a big city uh, for being right outside of Houston and you, you know how big Houston probably is um but just grew up there and uh went to high school there and and kind of that's where I've spent my whole life so with that what's uh what's the household look like mom dad brothers sisters yeah so I had so obviously my mom and dad and then I have a younger brother who um is also you know chasing a little bit of a dream too he plays baseball as well and he is going uh he's going into college right now and he's actually going to the same post-grad program that I went to out of high school, which we might probably will get into. Excellent. So who's a better athlete, you or your brother? Um, I'm going to say me, but at the same time, I'm going to give him credit because I think, I think he's, he has the potential to be better than I am or than I was and I just think that's because obviously having an older brother, he tried to keep up with me, you know, all, all the time. And I pushed him really hard, obviously, you know, always was beating up on him, you know, in whatever game we played. Um, so um, I think he, he's going to have a, you know, more athletic ability than me and possibly, you know, could, could turn into something special. So I'm excited to see where that goes for him. Well, you know, that's, that's a, a similar story. I mean, I, Basically, you're not gonna you're not gonna let nobody win. I, I can tell that for sure. Um, but there, there's got to be some influences, you know, as you guys are both, you know, pretty high caliber athletes. Um, now, um, as you're growing up, was mom and dad an influence on being a baseball player or an athlete, or was it someone else, or was it just a decision that they allowed you guys to make on your own? So solely a hundred percent. I would. I mean, obviously, my mom was completely there, supported me. And everything was at every game, but was definitely my dad who introduced me to the game, uh, you know, guided me in that direction. I played 
other sports growing up. Don't get me wrong. Um, but definitely baseball is something my dad, you could tell just, you know, from the moment I started, he had a passion for and something he really wanted me to be great at. And, you know, he just, anything, you know, anything we did, you know, obviously seems like we've, it's been surrounded by, you know, baseball and, and that's been our life. And my dad, you know, has done everything, buying me every equipment piece I need, going to the park anytime we, you know, we wanted, um, hitting me ground balls in the, in the, in the front of our house on the street. Um, just, just everything to, to, you know, he, he had the same passion for us to be great. And so, um, can't thank him enough for, for, for doing that for me. So you, you did mention you, you got to play many sports growing up. What were some of the sports that you did play before you realized it, it, it's a hundred percent baseball? So, uh, played a little bit of just, you know, the kind of the trio sports played basketball and football played those up until middle school. I mean, up until high school, played them through middle school and really just got to high school and was, and was like, I'm going to focus on, on, uh, you know, baseball. That's, that's my passion. That's, that's what I want to do with my life. And so, you know, basically just my freshman year of high school, just played baseball and, and, and went from there. Can you hoop a little bit? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I, only, I, I never play basketball anymore at all. Uh, thought I was a pretty good quarterback back in the day. Could sling it a little bit, but uh, definitely hooping wasn't my forte. You could, you could throw that football a quarter mile, huh? <laughs> For being smaller, whenever I was a quarterback back in the day, I, I felt like I could chuck it a little bit. Yeah, man. So we'll go into the high school thing. You said, you, you know, we grew up in Cypress, Texas. So tell everybody about the high school you went to. So, yeah, I got a you know, good story about that. But basically, so I went to Cy Ranch, uh, maybe a familiar name to some people. Um, it was a powerhouse in baseball. There, you know, still is. Um, it's a high school, it's 6A high school in Texas. So I was, you know, really good at sports. Um, had about 4,000 kids, 1,000 in each. And actually, by the time I got to uh, junior year, after my first semester, just uh, decided, you know, we kind of as a family, I had some some influences, but I, I went to a um, ended up transferring to a, a private school called Cypress Christian. And so that was a small, very different, small 3A high school um, in a district called TAPS. And that or in a yeah district called TAPS. And that was a complete change, obviously. So my graduating class went from what was going to be a thousand to 40 kids and so and it was a k-12 through campus really small so you know everyone in that campus basically knew each other already so tough to come into at, at first um but obviously being you know playing on the baseball team and having that help out obviously easily made some 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 good friends through through my uh, teammates and um it was a great you know you know, it was a great decision I made and, and uh, ended up winning a state championship there actually my junior year. No, excellent. So sticking there for just one second. So you go from, you know, the big school, it's a public school, I'm assuming. So then you go to Cypress Christian and just looking at this, man, it's like, it's really known for sports, great sports, a lot of championships, but also academically. I mean, it's one of 1500 in the world to be a AP capstone. So talk about what the difference was academically first, before we get into the sports most definitely um, was a lot more challenging for sure. Uh, more so in the sense of, of just 
it was it, it, it prepared me for college a lot more in the sense of, and probably what, what happens with a lot of private schools is a lot more papers, um, a lot more reading you have to do, uh, just, you know, basically stuff you would do in college and and a lot more of, you know, you got to juggle your time the right way. And that's what basically, you know, with having a, a sports that I was playing there, that's what helped me, jug, you know, figure out how to how to how to use my time and stuff like that, because I, you know, I wouldn't do be able to do homework till after five o'clock or, or whenever practice was over or the games during the season. Yeah. So on that, do you, I mean, if you had stayed at the public school, do you think, or do you think you're better prepared because you went to Cypress Christian when, when you went to college, not just Juco, but also Ole Miss now? Most definitely. And, and more so because of the, of the personal experiences, I, the more personal experiences I got with teachers, um, you know, there's the, the difference in the number of kids in just a single classroom was was way, way less. And that was also for so some of the teachers there I still keep in touch with. And, you know, they they basically be, weren't just a teacher to me. Obviously, they you were I was able, able to get more personal with them and yeah. help, help me out in anything I needed, as opposed to waiting for waiting in a classroom that had 40 kids in it to be able to talk to a teacher and stuff like that. So. I'm not saying Cy Ranch wouldn't have prepared me for it, but I definitely yeah. think this was the next step. And this was, you know, it definitely maybe sped up the process a lot, a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. I brought up the uh, academics because although obviously we're a sports podcast, we love it. We got a resident, you know, principal here. So academics has always got to be high on the list. Uh, I hear you. So, yeah, so you talked about by the time you get to Cypress Christians, your junior year, you're only focusing on baseball now, but not just pitching, right? You were also a hitter too. So what, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so when I was there, I I was the I was basically the second starter for my junior season when I first got there uh, off the mound. Which so I started a little bit in high school, but so I played and then I played third base, and so obviously you know my passion the whole time, honestly my focus the whole ever since I grew up or anything like that throughout high school was hitting, and the, and pitching was kind of second to me. That was just something that I was good at, but like it never not necessarily practiced as much as I did hitting. And so, um, you know, played third base there and then started uh, behind one of my good friends and uh, who was our number, our ace. And then, um, you know, just went on and had a good year, my junior year. And then our senior year was the same position. Cause that kid was in, that kid was in the same grade as me. We were like best friends. And so we were the one two punch again and, went up a level actually to 4A from 3A to 4A and then in, ended up losing in playoffs and I believe the second round and it, I actually we went to the seventh that the seventh inning that game which would be the last inning in high school tied one to one and I was still on the mound and I remember I threw uh, a first pitch curveball to the kid that started against me on the mound as well you know that's how it kind of works in private school you know the the best player kind of obviously throws and hits and, and stuff like that. And he ends up hitting a, a walk-off bomb off me in the bottom of the seventh to, to, um, uh, to beat us, but was a, was a great run and, and had some, had some good players there. You know, sometimes private schools I feel like can get a knack for maybe not having as much talent as public schools, at least from where I'm from. I know it's kind of different at other places. So it was a great experience. Yeah, no doubt. So back just a little bit academically. So when you go there, you're challenged. But I mean, were you like a scholar? Are your grades just okay? What was that like? 
Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm just super smart. I would say more so I'm just really good at getting my work done. Whenever I, whenever I need something done, even, you know, since I got here and or once I've been in college, but you know, then even if it was a lot of work, yeah, thing wrong, I pr- procrastinate sometimes, but I always met those, like met those deadlines and, and would really just, that's something I'm really good at. And I wouldn't say that it's just, I'm super smart. I get good grades, but it was because I just put forth the work and, and would find a way, you know, to, yeah. to do it and do it at a, at a high standard. Yeah. Grinding. I like it. I like it. So I'll going back the other way. We talked about how you felt like maybe Cypress Christian prepared you more a little bit collegiately. Uh, but on the athletic side, do you feel like that Cy Ranch would have given you more exposure, you know, to that, to the next level, or do you think you got that at Cypress Christian as well? Uh, I would, say probably a hundred percent I you know in all honesty that Cy Ranch would have because uh you know that run that that was going on during my high school tenure was you know they were they won state twice um you know were making deep runs had obviously a lot more college or kids with college scholarships so therefore there's a lot more scouts around and stuff like that and so I think obviously being on that team would have helped more exposure and, and whatnot because just of, you know, who was around and who's, who's going to be watching them basically. Yeah. So obviously, you know, travel ball being a big thing was travel ball. I, mean, I know it's huge in Texas, but I mean, talk what kind of teams were you on there and what was that experience like? Yeah. So uh grew up and, and kind of jumped around from teams, but two, two main teams that I was basically on were the college station 12. So I, I would, that was, we had a tremendous team that I played with around probably 12 to 14 years old, almost up to 15. And there we had, I think every kid on that team, except for me had like ended up going D one out of high school. So just tremendous talent. And I would commute to college station, which it was only like an hour drive from where I'm from um, every day to, or not every day, every Wednesday and Sunday for practice. And then, going on to tournaments and stuff. And then I ended up playing for a team called the Brazos Valley Renegades later on in my high school career. And um, just, I think just, you know, it goes to show like the teams I played for, they're both out of, out of college station, Brian and, and college station, kind of the same thing. Just the, you know, the respect we have for, for the people out there in Brian college station. And they're obviously all great people. And, and um, my dad was actually, my dad was a, graduate of Texas A&M so um, that was kind of one thing that kind of got the ball rolling on that on that side and you know really uh, a mutual relationship with all those people out there too I got you I got you so when did you kind of feel like okay you you see play with all these guys going D1 but then you know college is obviously coming up your junior you win the state you know college options at that time what were they like were you looking JUCO only D1 where were we thinking at that point I I would say it was you know, and I was a, I was a smaller size kid at, at that time. And it was really, I guess, coming to the fact where I was realizing, okay, division one might not be the road right now. Um, just, I'm not getting any interest. And by the time you're kind of rolling into your senior year, if you're not committed to a division one by then, you it's going to be hard to really receive anything. You know, usually nowadays it goes down in the sophomore summer to junior year to junior summer is when, you know, those scholarships or, or those offers are rolling out. So, you know, at that point I, I started trying to hit some, some junior college camps and, and, and stuff like that, just to, just to get my name out there. Maybe went to, you know, one 
perfect game event and stuff like that. But really at that point, it was kind of, it was extremely frustrating because I just, I had nothing, uh, no one biting, um, really nothing going into my senior year or even after my senior season was done. I got you. So then obviously JUCO's the route. So how did you end up at Tyler? So this is where, so funny story. I get done with my senior season at, um, at Cypress Christian graduate really haven't heard anything from anybody. And obviously I, I really want to play baseball. It's my passion, but it's just very kind of frustrating. You know, you've worked all this hard work and, and you just nothing showing. So you really kind of get down. And so basically I end up enrolling to Texas state university. And I think late July, early August rolls around. I've already kind of got a dorm set up and everything just to be a student at Texas state. And then my dad calls me up one day and he says, Hey, there's this post-grad program. That's brand new. It's only been open a year. I want you to go to this tryout and I just want you to check it out. And I'm like, kind of like dad, what, what, what are you talking about? What is this? This, you know, this kind of sounds ridiculous. Like I know we're trying to chase this dream still, but you know, one of those kind of naive kid moments. And so sure enough, I obviously end up going and uh, end up going there and they're like, Hey, we're going to give you, you know, we're going to offer you a little bit of money. You know, we had, you have to pay like a, you know, a certain amount of money, obviously kind of it's built just like a school or just like a college. And they're like, come play for us. So basically this, this TCS post-grad program is a program where you go and you play a junior college schedule, but I am taking the minimum hours as in I took six hours in the fall, six hours in the spring, and it doesn't start your eligibility. So it's kind of like taking, it's kind of like if you were to go to Ole Miss and, and take a, a red shirt, but I still get to play. So I'm basically like a gap year is what you want to call it. And you get all these expo- – so now we have a list, like a schedule, a fall and spring full schedule where we're playing Texas junior colleges, um, smaller Texas, you know, universities around Texas, and basically just – and going to a few showcases and basically just trying to get seen by anybody and also at the same time working at, at getting bigger because that's one thing that, that was, a, a, you know, a down for me. And, and, you know, obviously progressing in, in any form that you need to within, within baseball. And so I do that. I end up going to a showcase. Tyler Junior College sees me. And then finally get an offer late in the, or early in the spring of, of that year of being at TCS. And then end up going off and going off to Tyler Junior College. Wow. That's a great story. So you, you start, obviously, this is kind of where it starts. So obviously, you sounds like you play, not maybe not like a, I guess it is, a chip on your shoulder, right? So you're not getting the attention. You feel, you know you can do it. You're just not getting the exposures. Then you get to Tyler and you start playing. And I don't want to take your shine. I'll let you talk about it. But everything kind of just boomed right away. I mean, it looks like, I mean, you just hit the ground running. So talk about what that was like. Yeah, so I think, obviously, the so the time that I had at TCS was huge for me because I was kind of a late bloomer. Um grew a few inches you know shot up gained a bunch of weight which is huge and so then well, talk about that one second how much did you weigh when you graduated high school okay so i i think i i think i graduated high school at maybe five seven or five eight 
a buck sixty five. Wow. All right. So then you go freshman year or at go, your first year at Tyler. So what's, so, what's your velocity like at that? Uh, out of high school, 82 to 84. Okay. Then I go to TCS. And when I'm at that TCS postgrad, I gain like an immediate 25 pounds, 20, 25 pounds doing, you know, workouts, more workouts than I've ever really done. Protein, eating everything I can, finally growing. And he, he hit the freshman. Bro, times two. I gained the freshman forty. It just wasn't the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, one, quite the fifteen, the bad fifteen, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, gain a few miles an hour there, but still not throwing that hard. Maybe now I'm like eighty four to eighty six or so in that range. So then get off to Tyler. Fall comes around. Um, you know, do really good in the fall obvious or hitting and pitching's just not even in the in the question at that point i'm i mean i may throw a couple times in those fall inner squads but you know coach ran there was like hey we want you to play and if pitching comes then that's a plus for us but like we we do have plenty of pitching and this was i guess this was after fall this was fall meetings he says you know we got plenty of pitching but we want your bat and that's what we're going to focus on so then I think he was on to something. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, the spring rolls around and actually we had a third. So I, I went in as a third base, as a third baseman and infielder. Uh, we had a third baseman that was really good who hit, you know, just as, just as good as me. And so they were like, Hey, can you play the outfield? I'm like, what, you know, obviously whatever I, whatever I can do to be on the field, obviously. And so I ended up playing right field, actually, my, my um, first year. And then this kind of gets into the, whenever I start, whenever the pitching just kind of came out of nowhere. So late, I think late in the spring, one game, we're kind of beating a team pretty good. And he was like, Hey, I want to see what you have, you know, go to the bullpen. Let's see what you got. And I haven't really thrown off the mound much at all. You know, I've just been focused on solely hitting. And so I go out there and end up throwing in that game. And next thing you know, I come off the mound and they were like, hey, you were just 90 to 92. Like, you know, where where did that come from? And I Were was you like, gunning people I, from right field? I mean, were you like hosing folks? Yes, I, I, I could throw out a few people. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I, I, okay. That was my favorite part. I, I couldn't track a ball down real well. But I liked whenever right. I got like a base hit where I if could, I get a one hop, it's on. Yeah, so, I, I want to. I want to. So my favorite was throwing it to third on a guy going first to third. Can that you out? Can you out throw Hayden Leatherwood from right field? That's what I need to know. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. Taylor, right? Taylor I don't know. Well, maybe pole. don't even worry. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you're not gonna you're not gonna let me believe that you went from. 84 to 92 by not doing nothing. You know you was out there throwing long toss and Whoa. messing around and telling your boy, hey, let me throw this breaking ball to you. Let me see what that looks like. I still – the thing – when I say not doing anything, I guess I say not doing anything in the nature of the kind of throwing I do here and the amount of bullpens I do here at, at Ole Miss. It's more so like, oh, I threw a bullpen every now and then or – Obviously, I'm long tossing still because I'm an outfielder. I'm still long tossing and getting those kind of throws in and everything like that. But really, I mean, I didn't work on pitching that much. I was solely focused on hitting. 
and then you know I would throw like I'm saying I would throw a, a, a bullpen every now and then and and then just stepped into the game and I, I think it was just I always I think obviously from the weight I gained and the good weight and then you know actually growing and stuff like that just kind of all morphed together and, and became you know something like that yeah so um, get into the accolades I was giving you a chance to do it but since you're not going to do it you, you go in and obviously, you know, player of the year, going into the postseason, you know, then World Series MVP, national, all that stuff. So what's that ride like? I mean, is that the point? Like you, you're doing what you knew you could do if given the opportunity. But what's that feeling like that now you're doing it and you're proving it? So now, I mean, obviously, people are going to start paying attention to that, right? No doubt. And I think that's just – well, one thing was is, you know, we come to Tyler and Tyler had just won three in a row. No, whenever no I pressure, on, no pressure. Whenever I stepped on campus. And so that was like, okay, if you come here, you're, we're going to the World Series and our plan is to win this whole thing. That's like, there's no question about it. Like there's, it's no, it's no, yeah. oh, you get to the World Series. That's how, you know, that's great. It, you know, there's, there's one plan. And so just, I, I think just obviously, you know, with, with everyone, with that kind of culture and that kind of belief and, just stepping into that, you just, you know, playing with a great team. And you're just like, if I'm going to play, I better play really good. If I'm going to really? play for this team, I better step up. I knew I could do it, but yeah. it's the same thing of like, you better, you know, there ain't no messing around. So basically, you know, everything just ends up falling in place. I knew I had the ability and obviously having a little chip on your shoulder, showing people like, you know, y'all not necessarily like y'all kind of missed out, like, no, so then I step that. on and then and then stepping on that stage and and finally, you know, going on and winning national championship, closing out a couple of games there, um, winning MVP, uh, I think was first team All-American player of the year. It just kind of was at the same time, like, thank you, like surreal at the same time, of like, this is what I've worked so hard for. This is why I went to some place that I didn't even know about and worked a whole year of like just strictly baseball and, and like just putting my head down and going and, and it finally actually showing, even though it took some time, you know, and a little bit of faith, right? You got to trust pops pops out of plan, man, go over here and do this. And you, the rest will fall in. It's funny how that works. It's crazy. I, hey, I got kids, man. I tell them all the time. They don't listen to me, man. Yeah. Good thing. You, hey, you listen. You got to listen. It's, you know, sometimes. Yeah. You don't get old by being dumb. That's what I always say. <laughs> so was there, was there any thought, to leave in Tyler after that. I mean, well, I mean, you know, that's the top of the mountain, right? You can't get any more personal accolades. Right. You're saying right after that first year. Yeah. Or can you? Oh, uh, I could, I could, yeah. um, really was one of those things that I did get a few calls. Um, maybe there was one that was, was going to say, Hey, come now, but it was more so calls saying, I want to see what you can do again. Yeah. For one more year, you know, just because of the fact of, of obviously my road and my story, you know, maybe, you know, OK, maybe they want to see if it was if it was a fluke or, or something crazy like that. They want to make you know, they really want to you know see if I can do it again, stuff like that. So. Um, there was a the chance it never got put like in front of me, but there was talk about it. Um so really was an easy decision came back and was happy to obviously now be like the a full on leader of that team of that next year's team and 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 stepping forward and so then 
my sophomore year at Tyler, we end up having another, I guess just kind of, you want me to kind of get into how I got to Ole Miss from Absolutely. there? Yeah, you're, okay. you're doing it for me, man. Okay, okay. So go to your, so come back to Tyler for my sophomore year. Um, there's this thing, basically how my whole, how really a lot of my exposure really just jumped out of nowhere was there's this Texas, New Mexico junior college all-star game that they have every year with some of the New Mexico junior colleges and the Texas junior colleges. And it's from, it's, you know, all the junior colleges around, they take like three guys max from each team. So I ended up going to that and it's one weekend in the fall where basically, you know, they kind of, it's kind of a cool little ordeal. They'll have like a home run derby. They'll have, um, you'll play in like two, all, two all-star games where you'll play like a, a North, you know, if you're the South team, you'll play the West and North team or some, some odd, like something like that. So basically get there and I was still doing both. And so one night there, I was going to, one night there, I was going to pitch. And then the next day I was going to start at third base. So the very first night we get there, um, I end up going, coming in in the ninth, I think I just threw, I just threw one inning. I end up, so I end up being, I end up like striking out two guys, end up throwing really well. Um, I think I was 90 to 93 and immediately the, it was the coolest thing because I hadn't really ever had something like this happen to me at all but it was the coolest thing because I get out of I come out of the game I end up going to eat with my parents and I remember we sit down at, at Buffalo Wild Wings and my phone just wouldn't stop ringing and I kept having to like step away from from the table and I'm like sorry mom sorry dad and just kept answering phone calls and that was like one of the final another one of those moments where it was like you know thank you like this is this is awesome. This is something I've wanted my whole life. So from that moment on, that's when everything just, just took off. Um, you know, that's all. I, and it's funny because sometimes that's all it takes. It takes one outing. Sometimes it takes the one right guy to see you uh, for, for it to really just blast off like that. So then immediately, I don't even think. So Coach Laugh calls me a couple days later, once I get back to Tyler and he says, Hey, I'm flying into Tyler next, uh, this next weekend. And I'm going to come watch you pitch. And that was the first time I've ever heard that from anybody. So he ends up coming down, which coach laugh is our pitching coach, recruiting coordinator for, for Ole Miss. And so he comes down, watches me pitch and talks to me after the game immediately says, I'm going to, I'm going to call you later when I get to the, or later when I get back to Oxford, when I get to the office, ends up calling me maybe like the next Monday or something. And he says, Hey, uh, we're bringing you on a visit. We're flying you out like this Thursday. So it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And he flies me out that Thursday, come on my visit here. And obviously just was my first visit and just obviously fell in love with it. At that time, the, the indoor facility, the new brand new, um, I guess you would call our new indoor facility, the multi-million dollar building that's behind yeah, it's beautiful. the first base dugout now. Yeah. Uh, wasn't built. It was in construction, wasn't built yet. So he showed me like the whole 
platform, the whole blueprints, what it was going to look like. And obviously I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, this is. So they built that for you is what you're saying. (laughs) Not necessarily, but for future people to definitely, definitely for recruiting purposes. Right. Absolutely. So, um, and I'll be honest, I hadn't, this may sound ridiculous. I really, from being from Texas, I did not know much about Ole Miss. I had no idea really what Ole Miss was. It also, when he called me, it kind of took me, obviously the season videos are huge. I watched some of the season videos and then never knew anything about the beer showers or what that student section or what really, I had heard about the atmosphere, but never really seen it even on my phone or anything crazy like that. So once I finally kind of saw that, and then I remember they showed me a video um, in the meeting room, just a recruiting video. And I was like, like, boom, I want to be a part of this. This is, this is awesome. At the same time, obviously just, just the coaches and and going to talk to coach B and coach laugh and and coach Clem and, and just, you know, they're, they're such special people and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for them. And if it wasn't for obviously coaches in uh, previous years. So I stepped, so all that happens, the visit happens. It's like real quick, real quick. And I'll be honest with you. And, and my parents were kind of like, whoa, at this point. So I remember we, he drives me back to the airport and this was, so I had my meeting with coach B. He drives me back to the airport. I get in the airport, it was an hour away in Memphis. And I immediately get into the airport and I call coach B and I said, I'm coming. Like I'm all in it's go time without even really talking to my parents or anything <laughs> like that. And so I texted my parents and I was like, I just committed. And they were like, wait, what? what like what? <laughs> and I'm, I was like, no, I made up my mind. Like I've committed. I, you know, not even worried about the place was nine hours away from home, anything like that. I was just like, I'm, I'm ready to go here. This place is awesome. I don't need to see anything else. So the, I'm going to turn you over to Jim, but so that's the, that was going to be my last question. So there was ne- – once you do this, you're on – Oxford's beautiful. The culture's beautiful, the, the whole thing. So there was never any thought to any visits. Obviously, I'm sure people are still like, oh, hold up, you're committing to them. You're not going to come visit us? I mean, uh, anything like got, that. No, definitely got plenty of those. They were like, you, come on, you're not even going to give us, a, you know, a chance to come see us? And I was just like – No, I'm good. Sorry, <laughs> sorry coach. I'm, I'm sold. I, I bet – Mom and dad really wanted to know what happened on that trip down to Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because people will be like that. I'll, I didn't really have a true full on visit. They flew me in. I got there like Thursday night and I didn't get the whole, cause of the Juco thing. I didn't get the whole like football game, everything like that. So I got in Thursday night, had dinner Friday, 8am wake up and toured the whole field or toured the campus, toured the whole field, talked to Coach B, and then boom, I was out. So I didn't really experience what all Ole Miss does entail, but I was still just sold. Boys, it was simple. The powder blues and beer showers, and he was in. That's, that's all it took. He, <laughs> he was sold. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, you tell your story about high school, and you went from this really large school to a very small school, and now – here you are in college and you're doing the complete opposite, right? You're going from a small school like Tyler and then you're going to Ole Miss and Oxford. So, I mean, what are the emotions like when you actually officially get there? When I step foot on campus? Yeah. I'm, 
I'll be honest with you. It's hard not to be a little intimidated. It's hard not to be, you know, and I think that goes to show with a lot of sometimes, most of the time with a lot of first year guys, obviously there's some guys that just immediately are superstars, but definitely just a, a little bit of like, you know, you go from obviously being one of the, or the best, one of the best, if not the best on a junior college team. Now you're coming to SEC school and you're like, now I'm just another little like fish in the pond again. You know, I'm, I, I got something to prove and, and, you know, you're like, you know, your eyes are a little big whenever you, you know, walk into the, and you see, you know, your likes of like Parker Caracy, who I looked at at that time, who was a, a unreal closer for us. My, you know, the year before I got there and my first year, and you just look at some of the big names and you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm here. Like it's, it's time to go, but it's definitely uh, a little bit of like, okay, I'm, I'm back to, you know, you get a little humbled. Yeah, absolutely. But the fact that you did play in some championships, even though it was smaller, you know, junior college ball, you know, at least you've been to a a bigger stage. You're used to, you know, it's not just coming from from nothing. And, you know, we've obviously talked to a couple of your teammates on here, Leatherwood and Van Cleve, and they came, you know, from Northwest. And so they had to make the same transition you did. Um, I think that speaks volumes to Ole Miss and their program. Right. They're able to recruit guys and and bring them in. And um, they got the experience and maturity. And and you got to love that. So let's get into it, man. 2019, 15 appearances. Now we got to talk about the first one, unfortunately, Taylor. Right state, you know what? What happened in that fr- that very first appearance, man? I'll be honest. I think just the moment got to me. I think that's what it is. I I think I if I try not to remember, you know, remember too much about that. But I, you know, if you look at my numbers throughout all my career, I've always been good at not walking people. And I remember stepping out on that mound, and I think I maybe have walked like walked two or so in that inning. I, I can't remember the line. But I just remember stepping on that mound and I was and I had no clue where the ball was going. It was yeah. one of the and and you hate to I'm gonna admit to it, but like yeah, I think just the moment was like a little too big for me at the time. And I was just like, wow, like you know I'm but I mean, nuts. that like, that that just makes you human, man. This that it ha- it happens it happens to a lot of guys that because of, you know you look at your next two outings, you know I looked against UT Martin and Long Beach State and you were great, right? So right, you just had to get those those nerves initially out. Um, you know I don't want to spend too much time on that season, but you know just right out the gate, um, from what you remember, what it, regular season wise, not not when you got to the regional, what do you feel like was your your best outing, your favorite performance of that season? Oh, I think um, I think I think the one you just mentioned because I I believe so it was Long Beach State and I believe because um, I remember we were in the Powder Blues at night because it was a double header and we don't normally do that because usually we play on Sundays early with the Powder Blues and I think I through like three innings maybe or something like that and I and ended up closing out the game and it secured the sweep and that was after. That was after, obviously, the blow-up I had against Wright State. And so just finally stepping in, I think I threw, like, three innings. We secured the sweep and and got, a you know, a, a big – I think, yeah, a big series sweep against Long Beach State, who is known to be a really good team. And just being a – finally, you know, stepping in and having success right then and there and being like, okay, I you know, this is it and, and, and I'm ready to go from here and, and, and just – you know, obviously celebrating with the guys and then, you know, guys telling me great job and everything like that. So that, that was just the, 
the cool experience of being able to bounce back after a tough first outing when things could really start going bad for a first year guy, just, you know, snowball effect. Yeah, absolutely. I verified it as you were talking about it and it was three innings and uh, yeah, you did absolutely uh, great and definitely a great bounce back. So, you know, obviously that season you had some ups and downs, highs and, and lows, um, you know, but you know, the big high had to be right. The Oxford regional pitching against Jacksonville state. Tell me what it's like, you know, playing in that atmosphere at Swayze in a regional getting a pitch on that mound. Something I, it's honestly at the same, it's, it's hard to put in words. Uh, you just, you go out there and, and our fan base is just so special. And, and, you know, when it gets, it's funny. Cause I, t- I talk about it with some of the guys, there's a difference when you can, when those, those postseason crowds I, I would say there's a little bit of a difference because when you when they come in there's almost this sort of I, I would call it like a buzz that you that you hear is what I'm trying to say that you hear in the stadium when you know there's so many people there they're they're just mild conversations that they're having are becoming like a almost loud yell because there's so many people in that crowd and you can hear it just in the when you're just standing there in the dugout and you're, you'd be like, wow, there's a ton of people here. And so just, and obviously my first year being there and being able to being able to go out there and, and, and get to pitch and, and that, in that atmosphere just was a, was obviously a great feeling. Cause you go from, you go from pitching and honestly a national championship game at a junior college in front of 500 people maybe. And then you get to pitch in front of Swayze with, what 12k or some crazy right. like that and 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 the claps you get to like two strikes with somebody and those claps start happening you can literally feel it like you're almost like the mound is shaking and it, it's just yeah you know now you know obviously it just that's something that really helps a, a player you know in the right moment and it helps you know the the adrenaline just goes through the roof yeah, absolutely. So a question, you know, we got on here that we really wanted to ask you about that initial season, you know, coming from a place where you hit and pitch, were you disappointed that you didn't get to hit at all when you got to Ole Miss? Yeah. And that back to the kind of back to the decision. And and I had some teams that kind of wanted me to do both and, and then Ole Miss that, that wanted me to just pitch. And I'll be honest, it was a tough decision whenever, before the visit, this was whenever I'm just getting talked to. And, and it was a tough decision because it was obviously, it was something I wanted to do so bad, but then Ole Miss comes around that, you know, I, I want to play at the highest level possible in college baseball. And what other, what is that other than the SEC? And so that happens. And I'm just like, man, also I was getting a little bit of, of pro interest while I was in Juco, but it was solely for pitching. Right. You know, and so that was kind of a thing like, do I even want to continue this this hitting thing when I'm when I'm when I'm getting interest from pro scouts right now on something that really is like a secondary, you know, attribute to me, something I don't even really spend that much time and effort towards like I do hitting. And so it just and and doing like my dad wanted me to my dad wanted me to play both so bad and wanted me to hit so bad. And, you know, wanted me to push so hard to get, you know, Ole Miss to, to, to get to give me a chance and this and that. And ultimately they didn't, but uh, I don't regret it. And it was tough. It was. But, you know, 
back to what I'm saying, I just wanted to see where pitching would take me because clearly I was super talented at it with very little, I guess, practice or, 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 or putting my mind toward it too much, you know? Well, if Coach B, you know, had maybe seen what Shohei Otani's doing right now, maybe he, he would have rethought the process, right? <laughs> yeah. But, no, you know, I find it interesting, Taylor, because, you know, um, I'm, I'm from around the this area, the Oxford region, and I go to a lot of the local high school games, and I've actually seen three guys y'all got coming in. You, you know, you mentioned um, private schools, and usually a lot of times the three or four-hole hitter is also the pitcher, right? And from Jackson Prep, y'all got two guys, Riley Maddox and Mason Nichols, that I got to watch absolutely deal and could hit. And then um, you also got Braden Sanders from Lewisburg, who's their three-hole hitter. And so um, it's kind of funny that, you you know, we're we're having this conversation because I've seen three guys who can pitch and hit. Y'all got coming in that, as far as I know, they're just going to be pitchers only. So it's kind of uh, – it's a crazy world, man. Y'all got guys who are, who are throwing the ball, but, you know, if you ever need them to pinch hit, like, it's there. No doubt. And if you look, and also if you look at Doug Nikhazy and Gunner were both two way guys or, you know, yeah. we're in quotations, we're two way guys and, and they got, they hit their first fall. And, and so, and obviously now you look at it and Gunner and Doug, they're going <laughs> to And so, so, but Absolutely. yeah, I just think. Coach said, think, y'all, y'all need to just go ahead and, and, and going down to that bullpen is what y'all need to do. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right. So 2020, we're not going to spend too much time on it, obviously, um, you know, cover, but we got to talk about it, you know, because especially for you, first appearance of the season was against the number one ranked team in Louisville. And, uh, you know, you went three and a third inning and had a great outing, you know, like, you know, talk us through what it's like playing against the number one team right out the gate like that. That, that might be one of my favorite weekends. You know, it's hard to match some some other ones, but just coming out of the gates and, and opening up again, you're hosting the number one team in the nation, and you can feel the buzz just around Oxford about, you know, you know, let's let's get back, let's get going this season, you know, let's have a great season. And they come into town and meanwhile, yes, that game I did throw, we end up losing, which was Friday night, opening night, and great atmosphere, this and that. But just for that, you know, kind of, you know, for that team, that 2020 team, just go, this weekend goes to show. Then we bounce back and win Saturday and against a really good arm again in Bobby Miller, who I believe went first round that that year. And then win that crazy Sunday game where, you know, obviously the famous strike them out, throw them out. And, and you know, the shots in the answer video, the jump they do, all that, <laughs> all over the sports center. But just, you know, and, and that weekend was just so fun and, and so just the epitome of what that team kind of was. And then obviously, so we lose that first Friday game and then obviously ended up what rolling off 16 straight or something. Exactly. That. And that's where I was going to go. And, you know, being that we've had uh, three of your current teammates on, you know, we, we get the same answer every time, but, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, you know, you go on a 16 game win streak. I mean, what did it feel like, you know, for all of a sudden the season just to be over like that. Yeah. And I remember rolling up, we were in, we were in Louisiana Monroe and we were playing those, those two midweek games. And I remember rolling up to the field for that Wednesday game, which would be the last, last day we were going to be there and starting to hear rumor of like the Ivy league was stopping 
spring sports and 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 I'm just kind of I'm sitting there and I'm I'm talking to some of the guys I'm like is are we for real right now like they're they're crazy right like what's what's going on and then I remember it gets late in this you know seventh eighth ninth inning and we're starting to it's I can just feel a little commotion going on in the dugout like something something's not right from like our ops guys and and stuff like that and then sure enough we're on the road home and that's when they go like that's when they say, oh, we're going to play this weekend, but there's no fans at all. And and then to ultimately in a 24-hour swing, which I'm sure you've heard, we had a meeting like 24 hours later and our season's done. And it was just one of the more heartbreaking things I've ever kind of experienced because I remember sitting in that meeting room and Coach B telling us and, and starting to tear up. And also me being a senior at that time, really, you're – you don't know what's going on. And for me at the same time, it was like, well, what if this is my college career? Like, what if it's done now? Uh, Cause you know, I, at that time we didn't know if they were going to grant us another year of eligibility. So I remember sitting in the, in the meeting room and us, like some of the guys that knew they were gone as in, you know, like Tyler Keenan and Anthony Servideo that were going to get drafted. And then us seniors were just sitting there like honestly crying and just, it just, and and utter just shock and and it was it was it was pretty it was pretty tough to take yeah no and that's a new perspective for us because we have asked that question to numerous players but you're the first one that was a senior and so to to have a different emotion because you don't know what the future holds and yeah I couldn't I couldn't imagine being in that moment and just yeah like that could have been it for you and and we wouldn't have got to this this amazing season that you just had that we're going to get into so that had been crazy. So let me read this off real quick, and then and then we'll get in and get into the season as a whole. But you had thirty appearances, which is the second most in school history in a season. You had sixteen saves, which is the program record. It was second in the nation. You were third team All American by Baseball America, um, Oxford Regional All Tournament team. I mean, and there's there's like three or four more I could list on here. Those were the big ones. I mean, so I'm grateful as a fan that you were able to get this year in that the, you know, NCAA made it to where you guys could come back. Cause I could only imagine um, if that would have been it for you, you know? And so let's, let's get right into it. Let's talk about globe life field. I was actually supposed to be there, man. Uh, you know, about the snow that happened here, dude, my car got buried. Uh, you know, I wasn't able to come watch you guys. And I hate it because right out the gate, TCU and Arlington, you had one hell of a game, right? Career high, four innings pitch, five Ks. Talk about that experience. I, I, I will have to say I think that's probably the best I've ever thrown, and especially in my career here at Ole Miss. Um, I remember, obviously, just so – like, getting to walk into that stadium was – was literally my mouth was, was to the ground. It was – you know, it's a brand new stadium and it's so big. You just look up and, and it feels like the roof is just huge. And I remember obviously, and kind of backtrack, the snow was so disappointing because we didn't know if we were going to end up going. I remember until like that Thursday morning or like that Wednesday night, we were like, okay, this is happening. We almost didn't, we almost, it was almost like a day before we still didn't know if we were going. And and we really obviously wanted to, because that was like, that was the biggest that was almost one of the biggest opening weekends that's probably ever there's ever been in those six teams that were there. And so, yeah. So, you know, fast forward and then we get to the TCU game and, you know, I, I can just, 
I, my body feels – I remember throwing before the game and my body just feels numb. I'm, the ball just feels like it's flying out of my hand. Just There's there's actually – I think at, I think there was at least 20K there or something. It was like 16 to 20K of fans there. And so I remember go, going – calling down the bullpen and then having to get having to get going real quick. And I believe it was – so it was the, through four innings. So I came in the sixth. And I think – so. I see the next guy get a hit and he's like, all right, Broadway, you're in. And I'm, it was, it was a uh, first and second, no outs. And I, uh, I, I remember the gate opening and, and, and that gate opens. It's in basically exact left field um, beyond, beyond, beyond the wall and just walking out and looking out and just seeing the stadium and something I've never walked into before ever. Obviously I've never been on a big league stadium or played on one. And just went out there and, and felt great and, you know, ended up getting out of the sixth inning and, and just ended up cruising through the rest of the game. And, and ultimately we ended up hitting like a big home run, I believe, because I came in with a tied game, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And ultimately I think we ended up hitting like a either a big home run or a big double or something like that, ended up taking the lead seven to four and get to close out the game. And, and, and just to get that, obviously get the first win under our belt and, 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 nonetheless uh, against a great team and great program in, in, in TCU. So you said you're cruising and, and being that four innings was your career high. At what point did you realize that like you were going to go the whole way? Was it right after the first inning, second inning, or at what point did you know, I, I can close this thing out? Um, It was really, really, I didn't, I wouldn't say no. It, it was more so, you know, coming in the sixth there, I, I didn't know how long I, you know, I was going to go. Obviously, I'm, you know, obviously I want to finish the game. But, you know, it was more so just like, all right, we, you know, inning, obviously inning by inning. And so then I get through the sixth, seventh, and I get I get in the eighth. And I remember, like, throwing, you know, first couple batters. And I just like, wow, you know, it's just one of, you know, it's, it's my day, essentially. You know, just flipping things in there, throwing fastballs by him, this and that. So I come out in the – I remember coming out in the eighth and then Coach B came up to me and he's like, are you good? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to finish this thing. Like, let's let's do this, you know. So uh, I think, you know, obviously just looking inning by inning. But, you know, once I get through the eighth and then obviously I want the, you know, the ninth and to get those last three outs. Yeah, okay. So y'all won the last 16 games of the season before COVID hit. And you go down to Arlington and y'all sweep those three teams from Texas. Y'all get ranked number one. Like, I mean, y'all got to feel at that point, like y'all undoubtedly deserve that ranking and y'all are the best team in the nation. Am I correct? No doubt. And it almost, it was, it was almost one of those things where, especially for those freshmen of, of that 2020, it was almost like, they didn't know what losing was, which could be a good or bad thing. Right. But, you know, whether you're going to bounce back, it, you know, it was almost like as an older guy, I was almost like, you know, if we if we, if we we take a couple tough losses, are we going to be able to bounce back? Because these kids really, they don't know what losing is. They lost the first game in fe on February 14th, 2020, and haven't lost a game. And now you think about it almost over a year. Right. So, and, uh, and, you know, I, Hey, Randy, Daniel, you know, I hear him say, uh, I hear him say kids. And I, I got to tell you something, Taylor, because it's interesting because it, it, it pertained to, to your fan base today. Um, I, t I told them that, you know, when they're talking about some of these players, I said, some of them are still kids. 
And it's funny, this idea that because you turn 18 years old, you're like a grown man all of a sudden, right? <laughs> like, like, no, it's it's not that way, right? So well, it's also funny because I'm I'm 24 years old. So like I'm you're like a I'm, grandpa on this team. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I'm six years older than uh, you know some of these kids to me almost, right? Like they're uh, young. So but that's a good role to be in. Out. You're a big brother, man. It's, it's yeah. a nice role yeah all right so the the best part of the season i want to highlight is just something that man you don't see very often and that's the south carolina series and getting to close out all three games i mean you know that that's just something that you just don't see for anybody to do and for you to be able to do that what does it feel like to sweep a series with your team an sec opponent and be the one to shut the door on all of them i i just you know I just it was obviously I think that was a big sweep too because we were both I remember we were both on the the edge of who was gonna who was gonna be able to be a host site or who was gonna be able to be able be able to host and so coming in and in South Carolina who was good and you know obviously sweeping a series in the SEC is huge and so just you know being able to do that and obviously and having the coach be having the trust in me to 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 go out there all three games was just you know I just just you know so thankful for that and and you know luckily it all it all worked out and and we ended up sweeping the series and and I think I threw an I think I ended up throwing an inning every game I believe I think it was three innings and through the ninth of of, of every game one of them in a double header and uh um yeah just a cool just a cool feeling to be able to do that and I'm not I'll, I'll be honest I'm not sure I've ever really seen that before either yeah no I ha- I haven't and what was cool about that was you were on my radar big time then because I had actually just watched you the game before that series uh, get a win against LSU. I went to the LSU series at, at Swayze, and so I had actually just seen you pitch in person for the first time, and then I get to see you do that against South Carolina. So that was kind of a, a cool thing altogether. You you know you I know who you are. I'm ob- you're obviously on my radar in general, but then I see you and you're electric, and then I watch you in that South Carolina series. I'm like, man, two's a stud. So I was like, a little different, a little different scene in person too, huh? You know, kind of putting. Well, and you talked about the you talked about Swayze, and and it was great, right? Because um, I don't know if you know this, we had Leatherwood on. And then he hit four home runs in four consecutive games after coming on this show. And he came on right before I went to that. That's actually why I went to that weekend series. Him and him and Van Cleve invited me out. And so watching him hit the home run, and then I saw the Swayze showers for the first time via his home run. It was it was kind of all like storybook as far as like the way our podcast and our guests and everything. And yeah. so and I watched y'all come back in the nine to one game against LSU as well. So I mean that that was crazy within itself. That was insane, huh? That was that was that was unreal. I'm gonna call your fan base out right now, Taylor. About eighty mm, percent of them left, brother. But I didn't. I was still there. But I'm I gotta tell you. I'm gonna go tell ahead. you what, though. Yeah, I I don't get me wrong. I some of them did leave, or it, it got emptied out. But that uh, you you gotta agree with me. That eighth and ninth, it sounded like there were 10k in that stadium. Whenever that that craziness went on. Yeah, and I look, you know what the funniest story about that was, and I told both the guys this, right? Um, we were fixing to have Alex Brady, one of the LSU players, on, and he told me to come, you know, say hello and meet him while I was there. Well, they had obviously just blown that lead, and so I went down there, 
and they were being told by Maneri, get in, get in the dugout, like now, right? And so, like, he stopped and, and, and met me and took a picture and everything, and he was being yelled at, and he looks right at me and goes, dude, we're in trouble anyway. Like, this doesn't matter. <laughs> like, he was like, so, yeah, so y- y'all definitely uh, ripped their hearts out with that game. Um, but what would you say, you know, obviously we just brought up to South Carolina and, you know, we talked about the LSU, but let's we'll say instead of individually as a team, was there any game that stands out that was your favorite that wasn't any of those in the regular season? What you're saying in the regular season? Yeah. Vandy. I had, I, a think fe- was- I had a feeling. I, I think even Daniel started smiling as soon as you said Vandy. Uh, for, is it for the obvious reason or is there something specific within it? I, I think it's it's the obvious reason, but I think you look at it. So um, we win game one, right, against Rocker. And uh, a couple big bombs by one Leatherwood and one TJ McCants. And we wind up winning 3-1, I believe. And we come back out Saturday and just, you know, Jack Leiter, who, who's obviously really good, just, you know, shoves it. And, and we end up getting, I think, ne- beat. Never heard back. of him. <laughs> he took, he took, yeah, an, he he took an L today. Did they end he up still losing? Pitched, he still pitched great, though. Oh, yeah. my goodness. But he gave up one hit, and it was a bomb. Yeah. And that was yeah. awesome. I, I was watching a little bit of it. So – you know, and that, and that was just kind of the case. And, and it was, you know, one of the things where, you know, we kind of – I felt like we were so good at bouncing back, you know, as a team this whole year. But, you know, Coach B – and this gives credit to, to those two arms, to be honest. But Coach B sits us down in the meeting room and basically, like, if you told me, you know, just kind of after a tough loss on Saturday and just trying to, you know, a little bit of motivation going into Sunday of, like, I promise you they feel it right now. Like, they feel – you know, they – they're, they're not happy to be in this situation in the sense of, you know, coach B was like, if you told me earlier this week that we were going into game three and were one and one and had, had got, had, you know, won a game against quite possibly the two best pitchers that have pitched, you know, may, may have pitched in college baseball. And, and he was like, and so then going into that game, we end up, I forget how that game – did we end up getting down by a lot? No, 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 no. We, we gave up like a three spot in the second or the third, I believe. And then that's when the, that's when the crazy – we score like 11 in the bottom of the third or bottom was, of the fourth. It's probably the game that Randy texted me. Honestly, Randy texted me multiple times this season and said, Ole Miss is never out of a game because of yeah. the way y'all can swing the bat. And that was yeah. probably one of those games. It was and that so, game. yeah, yeah. So I, I, they might have scored two or three, and then that immediate next half inning, I'm, we put up like a ten spot or something crazy. But then it's early in the game, and just as much as Vandy is, you know, they're not going to be put away, and so they end up fighting back. I remember they end up hitting a uh, Carter Young hits a grand slam to end up putting it within like three or something like that. Yeah, they and then, so. It looks like you. They scored two in the top of the third. You guys okay. came back, scored ten. They turned around in the top of the fourth and scored five. There you go. So you're looking at going into the bottom of the fourth, ten to seven. You know, that's a, a, a di- totally different ball game. If you bet the over on that game, you're good. <laughs> yeah. So then, 
so then, you know, we – and then I just – go that game of just – it was obviously crazy. It was kind of like, you know, the LSU game with just the high scoring. And that's how Sunday games are, in, 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 especially in the SEC sometimes. Just they're going to be shootouts. And, you know, just – I just was one of my favorite weekends in, 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 in just the – this team proving to the, you know, to the nation that, you know, we are good enough and, and we are here and, and obviously, you know, sealing that, sealing the win, uh, the series win and, and, and having a, just a, a Swayze that just lost, you know, Swayze field just losing their minds because of it. So it was uh, one of the cooler moments in, in the regular season for sure. Absolutely. And so we talked about your first year and we talked about being in the Oxford regional and what the, um, environment was like and everything but I think this time it was different because obviously you're a seasoned vet at this time you're you know saves left and right um, and so we, when you get to that regional um, could you have ever pictured yourself getting three saves in, the, in just that one regional like that I mean you know I, that's that's gonna be one of my goals and and you know I'm gonna say hey I can close out any game I want but for that to happen is definitely, definitely just, you know, I, I keep using this word, but a surreal moment and a surreal feeling of just that all the hard work is, is felt like it's, it's really paying off and, and in something I've dreamed of, you know, for, for my whole life to, to, to be in a position like this and, and be able to, you know, show my ability and, and, and prove my ability in front of in so many people and, and help out, a division one SEC baseball team, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you went right to where I want to go because you used the words help out. And the conversation that everybody, you know, is having and, and is wondering about when you get to the super regionals, right. And, and that game three, are you calling for that ball? How did, how did that scenario play out to where you end up being a starter? Is it, is it a conversation you had? Did he come to you? Did you go to him? How did, how did it go with you and coach B? So uh, we've, we get to, we we bounce back and we win the the Saturday game against Arizona. Doug pitches a gem. We end up winning that game. And I got back to the hotel room. It was, it was a little late, and I, I texted Coach B and I said, I don't remember word for word what I said, but I, I basically said something along the lines of, I will do whatever you need. I will start tomorrow. I just know I'm ready, and I'm you know. And I said this is something I, I I've never wanted something more is what I basically said which in the nature of, of obviously, you know, getting to Omaha. And so then he, he texts me and he says, he texts me back and he says, I, I really appreciate it. You know, you know, I don't know what we're doing yet, but, you know, thank you. And um, then that next day comes around and, and he asked me to, you know, come talk to him. And he basically looked at me and he says, you know, I really appreciate your text last night. And when he first said that, I, I didn't think it was going the way that it ended up going because he just kind of was like, I appreciate your text last night. But he goes, um, you're going to start. We, you know, we had a we had a staff meeting this morning and and we're giving you the ball. We think, you you know, we want to we want to you know shoot our shoot our best bullet and and, and go for it. And obviously. Didn't end up working out how, how I wish it would have. And uh, it was a tough way to, to go out and a tough way to end the season. But, you know, I, I ultimately still, you know, still, you know, I wanted that ball, you know, 100 times out of 100.
Yeah, I think though it it shows a lot because in that situation you can't get yourself into a point where you don't use your most proven arm at all in those three games. And by starting you, I, I know like it's a gamble and it's a risk, but at least you know that you're giving your proven guy a chance to get some innings and keep you in the ball game and you never know. But, no you know, w- with that, you know, being a closer, or even coming out of the bullpen in relief is totally different from the mindset that you got to have as a starter. So what changes did you make or did you do anything different knowing that the day of the game, you're now the starter for tonight's game? Yeah. And, and I, you know, I used to start in, in high school, I, I, but, I, you know, that's a different beast in, in itself, you know or or in the SEC is a different beast, but I wouldn't say I did anything real different. I just, you know, I still did my normal stuff before a game, everything that went on. Obviously it, it, it did feel a little different because it's like, I'm throwing the first pitch of this game for our team. Um, but definitely felt, you know, obviously it was a way different mentality than whenever I get to come in and, and in the eighth or the ninth inning and just blow it out and, 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 you know, say, you know, with, you know, then again, also most of the time when I come in with a lead. So are and, you, so when you're starting that game, are you going out there giving max effort knowing that you're going to go as long as you can go? Or are you saying, look, like I got to be prepared to go four or five innings. So I need to like hold some in reserve or you're prepared to go one inning, two innings, three innings, whatever it was. That was kind of the message to me was from, from coach B and coach laugh was, you know, don't think you got to go five innings. Don't think I need to get you. I don't want you to hold anything back. If you throw one inning and throw up a zero, that's huge essentially. And so he, you know, that was what they were trying to emphasize was don't let that, you know, don't, don't let that in, in your mind think you got to really get us to the fourth or the fifth. Just get us, he said, basically, just worry about the first out. Then we'll worry about the second out. You know, then we'll worry about the third out. And then we'll get to the next inning and we'll worry, you know, worry from there. And so, um, you know, that was basically just the message to me. And, and you know, that, you know, did what I, you know, did what I, you know, could. And it, it ended up, like I said, not working out. And, and, it was a di- I will be honest, like it was a different beast than than what I'm used to. Well, let me ask you, and and you know, injuries are part of the game, and it's not making excuses. But one of the reasons you get to this situation is the loss of Gunner on the season, right? Um, do you feel because I feel as someone as an observer as a fan that if Gunner doesn't get hurt, this the projection of this season could be completely different because you you're losing you know, your Friday night or Saturday night, depending on how y'all's rotation is, guy. And so when you get into that set with Arizona, you know, you have a lot less arms, you know. So, like I said, it's, it's not making excuses because, I mean, it happens. But if – I mean, if he's there, you know, it's a whole different situation. And don't you feel like um, the season may have ended differently? Yeah, and and it's hard to not say it wouldn't, right? Um, but – and, and, and that's not knocking for what other – what other guys stepped up and did right. You know, you know, looking at what diamond did for us and looking at what drew McDaniel did for us, you know, that's not knocking them at all, but obviously with 
with having Gunner would have made things. I, you know, I would have made things. He's not you know, top fifteen on the draft board for nothing, right? Like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That is a that is a like that is the ultimate, you know, that is the ultimate blow that you can that you can with with take. But you know, you that is national news. Literally, it was everywhere, and that's just it, it's a tough thing to to, to endure, but. I just and we're one, you know, we're one game away, one win away, and it just it hurt. It hurts so bad. It, it did, but just so proud of of what this team did, and that, and we can even talk obviously talk about Tim Elko and, and the ACL injury and and everything that he did. Just a true inspiration to to the whole nation and the whole baseball world, all over every social media platform. But just the the way this team just. I mean, we, we lost like four series back to back or something and it still just showed up every day and, and just, you know, going to war with these guys was incredible. And, and for what we, for what we went through, I'm not saying this was, you know, obviously we want to get to, to Omaha and, and it, it's, it sucks so bad. It hurts so bad that we didn't, but just can't be more proud of a team for everything that, you know, they had to get through or, or everything that we had to get through to, to, to ultimately still compete at, you know, uh, the highest level around this nation. All right, Taylor, man, last question of this interview before we get to our game and have a little fun. And this is uh, a reflective question and probably a question you you've, had to answer or you're in the process of answering what's next well hopefully everything works out and looking to play some professional baseball um <clears throat> obviously i uh, have a little bit of interest and in, uh and look that's my that's my dream that's my it's everything i want to do it's what i've worked so hard for uh want to move on to the next level and 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 you know hopefully that that's going to work out here in the next the next month or so and then and just take it from there and and you know kind of like i you know just not to be gloating or anything like that but kind of like i've i've said to some of the scouts and, and and things like that is is just give me a chance you know give me an opportunity look what i've done with every opportunity that i've gotten every opportunity from, you know, having no offers in high school to, to doing what I did in junior college and to now doing what I did here at Ole Miss is just like every level. If I get an opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way and I'm going to perform. And so uh, I don't know what more to tell you. I know my age doesn't help, but just let me, you know, all I need, you know, all I need is a plane ticket. Give me, I will, I will go out there and I will throw the baseball and, and I'll be ready. So that's give, my, give you a uniform, baby. Just exactly. Give you, a uniform. you know, I know, I know, I know, I know they ain't going to fork out millions of dollars. I don't need that. I just need an opportunity. My dream all my life has been to get drafted and, and hopefully that's going to be a dream come true here soon. And I can, uh, I can, you know, take it and run with it. And, and then that's the plan right now. And, and I don't, you know, that's my, that's my main focus. So. Well, we're, we're, going to be glass half full here and we expect to have you back on to talk about you know what it's like to be a minor league player and and, and getting better each day man so look forward to it look forward uh, to it. 
with that, before you roll, we're going to play a little game called This or That. You down to play? Yeah. What does what this partake? All right. So it's very simple. It's got yeah. two rules. I give you two options. You pick one or the other. And the only rules, you can't say both and you can't say neither. Okay. Got to pick one of the two. Uh, and I got to give a, a reason? No, we'll get into that, but you, you don't necessarily have to give a reason. But be prepared to have some follow-up for some of these answers now. Okay. Okay. So we've had, uh, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15-ish questions over the three episodes or three seasons worth of episodes that we've had. And you are going to be the first that's going to get the new gauntlet of questions. <laughs> so I hope you are ready. Okay. Now, in the past, we start with a softball question. We lob it up there. You know, you knock it out of the park. No big deal. But it ain't going to go down like that anymore. We're, we're I'm, jumping I'm, right into the fire diving in yep so first question would you rather have a get out of jail free card or would you rather have a key that opens any door a key that opens any door all right what now if you said that that means there's a door that you have in mind what door <laughs> you want open uh drake's mansion okay and i had the key i have the key now and I'm, now you got it i'll find a room right hey started from the bottom now you're here look at you <laughs> he won't I, even know you're there no he, <laughs> no just hang out in the east wing exactly i have the key i'm sure i could find a way all right would you rather make every green light or never wait in line again make every green light that is my that is sounds I, like I, you're you're a late guy you're, you're late a lot <laughs> i wouldn't say i'm late a lot but let me tell you what jackson avenue i feel like i hit every light on that on that freaking street what, what does coach b think about those that are late uh not a fan uh, <laughs> that's to say the least you won't last long that's that's the best way to put it absolutely i'm sure that's on every coach's list it's like <laughs> there's like a standard book for coaches and rules and like being on time is like number one on everybody's yeah. rule list five, five minutes early is not on time <laughs> so would you rather start a game and pitch a complete game with one hit or would you rather combine with other pitchers and pitch a no hitter um and I ask I that because you've you've been a part of one of those. I have, and I think after my experience of what of this, you know, trying to start, I would rather start a game and throw a one hitter. Hey, I like it. I I, like I it. want I I would like to throw a complete game, no doubt. Hey, there's something to be said to go all nine, man. So not to be uh, selfish, not to be selfish, not saying I don't want to join my teammates and throw a no hitter, but after my experiences, I think that would be better. I feel you. Would you, if you had to whisper only or shout only, those are the only two options. Which, which one of the two would you pick? Whisper. So, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I'm not a fan. You're going to go on a date sitting, and all you're going to do is whisper the whole time. Yeah, but so I'm like yin yang twins. <laughs> yeah, but how is it going to look to a girl when you're just yelling? Or I don't, my biggest pet peeve is like 
or one of the like basically on a date or at you're at dinner and there's just a, you know somebody just yelling at the table next to you got a valid point here very yeah. true all right would you rather have a rewind button or a fast forward button for your life i would say a rewind button all right so you would go back in the past what something not, that you would not 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 in particular something i i, I feel like i want to change now but if that ever came about i think i think i would rather not see what's in store ahead as opposed to just being you know where i am and and work you know maybe if we're talking a baseball career i don't want to see what like if i'm gonna make it to the big leagues or not uh that i feel like that would just change my whole mindset or mentality of 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 my work from you know you know kind of in that nature fair enough would you would you rather change who you are and be a different person for an entire year or would you rather be a stranger every week be somebody new every week or pick somebody and be that person for a year and then be another person for a year i would say be another person for a year why what what would be the benefit of having a year see what i can do for a year and see if i can't do something extraordinary well, now i don't think i don't i don't think a week at a time would be enough to just be someone different i mean yeah but what if i you know i could be for a year and just do something and you know crazy i, I don't know well, this new question that, that Daniel has added to this or that makes me think, is there, like, somebody that you'd want to be for a year? Because, like, that's that's right where my wheels start turning. Who would I want to be for a year? Yeah, I mean. You already some... got Drake P. You could just be Drake. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now I'd, have, I'd have multiple keys, huh? All right, so would you rather spend – and now this is hypothetical and I'm not saying that you got, don't overthink this question. Would you rather spend five years in jail or 10 years in a coma? I, you know, that's funny. You say this. I just heard this, this question. Uh, we, we were talking about in the dugout recently. Um, I think I would rather spend five years in jail. Okay. And just fight. I mean, whatever, whatever that part takes in jail, just survive. And I mean, it's that's a long five years. <laughs> that's a long five years. But can you imagine all the change within ten years, and then you come out of a coma, and maybe in my shoes now, I don't even start a family or something crazy. You know? Hey, so, I, I watched uh, Captain America on the way back from Omaha with my son today. He did it for seventy years, so you can do it. It's just 10. <laughs> All right, this is, a, this is a big question. All right, and let me, let me preface this question by saying we had your buddy, Ben Van Cleve, on this show, and he didn't, he didn't talk highly of pitchers. So I'm going to ask you this. You were a hitter. You were a good hitter. In a home run derby, who wins, Taylor Broadway or Ben Van Cleve? Taylor Broadway. That's <laughs> right, baby. That's right. And, and hey, I've had, him, hey, I've we've hit pitchers BP a time or two. Come on, 
I mean, Daniel, like, you you let Daniel, you left something out. He he called pitchers dumb. He called us idiots, dumb. Like he he basically oh. just disgraced our intelligence. We gotta give. I gotta. I gotta take off my boy BBC here. No, Taylor. That, he didn't. He did say that, but what he was trying to say was, I can steal on pitchers. Catchers are harder to steal on. And then he followed that up with saying, pitchers are dumb. And well, catchers are dumb. well, I would Randy, admit that. Okay, Randy, yeah. you gonna back him up on saying he was gonna have double digit home runs? Yeah, well, that's because Daniel got a pin cushion, and every time he went up to bat, he was like, nope. So I told I told Ben I he said his goal was double digit home runs, and I said, well, I'm gonna hashtag the number nine on every tweet you put out there, and then then I told him I said when when you don't hit ten or more home runs, you're gonna come back on the show and apologize to all pitchers. So he'll be coming back on and he's going to apologize. And I'm going to make sure he's, he gives you an apology to me, to me in particular too. Right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You got but don't think we're not going to tell him that you said you would smoke him in a home run derby because we, I mean, well, we will. I mean, all you got to hit is you know one right now. <laughs> you know what he's going to do? He's going to drive to Oxford and say, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. If you guys could just go live or something, that's really all we're asking for. Yeah. I'm, I'm there for that. I'm, I'm in for that. Oh, that'd be, that'd be awesome. All right, last question. This is a question that we, we, we're going to keep forever. Um, would you rather have money or would you rather have friends? Friends. Ooh. Randy. Randy. Randy, Randy, hesitation is always a lie. Yeah, I feel, Taylor, I really, I had, you know, you've been one of our favorite guests. You've been insightful, thoughtful, you know, deliberate and then you just bombed it with that last question man you want a key to drake's mansion but you don't want the money you didn't say shit about your friends coming with you to the mansion you said you that's the point oh i got all the rooms <laughs> for my friends well i'm gonna tell you right now i don't talk i tell every guest that says friends for one you're lying and for two you can get new friends when you got money uh, no new friends. I mean, I, I I hear you on that. I hear you on that. Was, hey. Wasn't it Leatherwood who said friends with money? Friends, I think it was. Said, I think it was. I can see Leatherwood saying that friends with money. Yeah, friends with money. I friends. want to be the what friend is- with the money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Taylor. Before you get out of here, man, anything you want to plug or promote? Social medias, uh, where we can keep track of you over the summer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Twitter is at Taylor underscore Broadway and then Instagram at Taylor underscore Broadway zero seven. Um, I'll be I'm, I'm hanging out in Oxford this summer. So that's my plan and uh, going to be uh, working out, getting ready for uh, hopefully a start a professional career. Man, we, we wish you nothing but the best, Taylor. Dude, thanks for coming on. If, if there's anything we can do to help you along the way, please reach out to us. No doubt. I, I appreciate y'all. And I had a blast. Uh, this was a really cool experience and hopefully, like you said, we get to do it again. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be ready for that. Absolutely. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's Taylor Broadway. Everybody follow him on Instagram at Taylor underscore Broadway zero seven, or hit him up with a few tweets at Taylor underscore Broadway. We're going to take a break, man. It's, it's been a great, great episode so far but we got to plug our sponsors and when we come back we're going to do some headlines
Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. And guys, I know that you are excited to lead off tonight with hockey. The playoffs are, are, are getting close to, to making it to the Stanley Cup finals, but we got our, our conference finals currently going on. The Lightning just absolutely ran rough shot over the Islanders. And I know, Jim, you are now an, a, a Lightning fan. You got to see him play. They beat the hell out of the Islanders, eight to nothing. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Do you, Do you feel like that's the momentum swing that they need to 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 push them into the the cup? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. First of all, like maybe I don't know. I mean, they won a championship last year, regardless of me. But I've now watched like six games in total, and not only did they win all six, but like five of the six they scored like seven or more goals. So I don't know. Maybe the Lightning fans should. Uh, start sending me some money on Venmo and I'll watch every game. No, but no, they're, they're legit, bro. Like, I mean, and not knowing anything, you know, in depth, I feel like when you win a game five, cause what is it? It's like 82% of the time, whoever wins game five wins a series in a, in a seven game series in sports. And when you beat somebody like that, I feel like you might as well go ahead and up that to like 95%. Cause I feel like you probably just completely demoralize them. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is uh, they go back to New York for the next game and you're not going to score eight goals in the next game. So you got to come out with the same aggression and, and the same fury. I mean, they scored a goal tonight in the first 40 seconds of, of the game. So um, they just pounded the puck and, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to give yourself a chance. But more than anything for the Lightning they can't be timid. They have to be aggressive. They got to play fast and, and they can't get down early because when they get down early, they seem to, uh, even though they, they had a chance to win the game four, even though they lost, but you know, they, they just don't, they don't play the same when they're behind. So um, I'm hoping that this game is a spark in the right direction. Hopefully they can close it out um, on Wednesday and then move into the Stanley cup finals against either the Montreal Canadiens or the Golden Knights. And Randy, you're a Vegas guy. They're, they're tied up two games to two. Are you expecting the, the, the Knights by the end of the week to, to get this thing taken care of? Yeah, which is why I'm, you know, I'm looking for the Islanders to bounce back, push you know, Tampa Bay to a game seven, get them tired out because Vegas is going to go ahead and they're going to do their thing in these next two games. And they're going to be just sitting there waiting, you know, sitting there waiting to get the crown against the defending champs. Well, you're the champ until somebody beats you. And if, if tonight was any indication, it's going to take an army, more than just some knights, more than some Canadians, uh, an entire army to take down the lightning. So it'll be interesting to see how the playoffs uh, end up. But, you know, by the end of next week, looking into our, our Monday podcast, we should have a, Stanley Cup Finals to preview. The city of Tampa don't need no more titles, bro, in sports. I'm just saying. Hey, they're ready. They're ready. <laughs> they want to run it all back. So, um, speaking of, of Tampa teams, let's let's talk baseball, guys. You got, you know, just looking at the standings, the American League, the Red Sox are have <laughs> – we talked about the Rays last week being the hottest team in baseball. They've turned around and now become – the, the not so hot team in baseball they've lost the last six and now the red sox are ahead of them in the east um the yankees are, are four and a half back you got the blue jays and the orioles rounding out the east you got the white sox still in first 
uh, the lead has, has shortened a bit to two and a half over the Indians, but still significant over the Royals, the Twins, and the Tigers. And then we, we're seeing what we didn't want to see, guys. We got the Astros now tied with the, the Athletics for first in the West. So, um, Randy, I'll start with you, man. Any Anything that you see that sticks out to you as far as these standings go or – it's it's kind of comparable to what you expected. Yeah, I don't think you know. Obviously, we we say it all the time, but Tampa just doing what they do so consistently is is always has it's worthy of a shout out. But you know, I'm not surprised to see Boston at the top. Little surprised to see the Yankees, even though they're five above 500, kind of struggling, really to score runs. And usually, you think it's it's you know the other way around. They score a lot. Maybe pitching's a problem, but it's not that. The White Sox, I thought it was a great story. Didn't ever predict that and to start. So I'm not. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Indians kind of catch up. And obviously, you talked about the Astros. I mean, we can hate all we want to, and, and I know there's a lot of disdain for those guys, but, dude, they're special. They're good. I've had a chance to watch a few games. They're still really, really good, even though there's only a couple of the guys left from that, you know, World Series team, but they're really, really good. And then you see teams that we always see at the bottom, right, like the Angels. And, you know, obviously you got injuries there, but it's – it's. <laughs> look, I mean, look at the Astros, 112 and the plus run differential set winners of seven in a row. Just amazing. The consistency that team has. That's why that, that stats so telling because those guys that have those super high plus differentials are, are usually sitting at the top of their division. Um, Randy, I'll ask you this, man, being a Cardinals fan, does La Russa make a difference being the manager for the White Sox? I think that, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's one of the best managers of, of this generation, and he brings a toughness. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely makes a difference. But do you think they're in first place solely because of him or just because they are more talented than the rest of the Central? Oh, man, that's a great question. I think that he's got a huge – he's a huge reason – Obviously, I don't think that the talent level, in my opinion, between, you know, the Indians and the White Sox isn't that drastic. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to give him the credit where it's due. It's not I the guess first time he's done that. We saw that for years. True. I, I guess the, the better way to the say that question is if the end of the year was today, would you say that La Russa gives you wins you two and a half games? just him being the manager yes yeah i think so too um and I, I, when we asked the question does he make a difference i think because of that yeah he does make a difference man like you you see it um jim looking at the national league anything sticking out to you you got the mets holding on oh, four hold, games hold, the- hold tight hold tight I, I i didn't want to interrupt when randy took his jab at the angels I just need to I need to get something off my chest real quick before we get in this National League. They're, they're in the cellar. What, what is I there to get I off your chest? I don't care. Shohei Atani, I got to give you his week real quick. June 15th, home run. June 16th, home run. June 17th, six innings pitch, one earned run, five Ks, and W. June 18th, two home runs. June 19th, home run. June 20th, home run. Hey, man. Hold on. How many I, of those games did they win? I don't care. He, Sounds like Westbrook to me. It does sound like Westbrook. Oh. And, and, and Westbrook during his NBC, MVP season was the best show in sports, and that was said by people who didn't even like him. 
um, on TV. And I'd say the same thing about Otani. And so dude needs to get a shout out, even if his team's in the cellar. So I had to get that out there. The thing is, they've had the best player in baseball for 10 years now, and it doesn't equate to wins in baseball. No, it, it doesn't. But, uh, you know, I'd still – I'm just saying, I would go I would go see Mike Trout, obviously, but I'd definitely, go, I'd definitely go see this dude, and he does it on both ends. And then before we get to the National League, I also want to say the White Sox, um, you know, I feel like they are a lot better than the Central Daniel. We talked about last week. I mean, they, they lost four in a row, and that's the reason that gap's closed. But I still, I still think uh, talent coaching, though, and then that division being mediocre, I still think that's their division all the way. I mean, look at that that plus uh, differential of 88 compared to Cleveland's plus three. So I just want to say I still think Chicago's got that on lock, and I still say F Houston and Oakland's going to win that division. Okay, carry on. All right, so, so tell me how you really feel about the National League then. <laughs> um, man, well, you know – let's start with the Cardinals, right? Like, you know, they, they're pitching and they're hitting, you know, they don't ever click at the same time. It seems like, right. Like, you know, it's, it's always one or the other. And I think that's the biggest problem. I mean, they're only four games back, but the problem is their division, unlike, you know, these, some of these other divisions we're talking about, I mean, they're, they're sitting in fourth four games back. I, there's so much competition within the central um, you're going to have to put a winning streak together. And right now it's not something that I can see them doing, especially with, like I said, they can't put both sides of the ball together at the same time. Um, this, this ain't, this ain't the NBA Eastern conference, man. You, you gotta be a, you gotta be better than 500 to, to make playoffs. And they're, they're just not. And like I think a lot of it is exactly what you said. They're, they're not putting it all together on a consistent basis. And it's, well, I don't think that if you really wanted to dig down into that, they're not, it's not putting it together. Their offense is not good. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not, they're, they're streaky every three games, but they're 27th in batting average. They're 26th in on base percentage. They're 23rd in runs scored. They're 22nd in swinging percentage. They're, that offense is just not good. I mean, we just got to call it what it is. And their pitching's not near good enough to overcome that. They're yeah, I think, I think something about that average that speaks. I'd like, you know, I'm not looking at it. I'm not gonna look it up. I'd like to see where they are at in home runs because it feels like when you when you look at the St. Louis guys, it's either a bomb or or a strikeout, right? Like they got to be at the tops in in that in the league because I feel like that's the only time I ever see hits by them is if they're hitting them out of the yard. Um, but you're right, Randy. I mean, the, it has been a struggle. Um, and it sucks too because Arenado's done his job right. We brought him in, and he's been everything we hoped for. And then you know now the other guys aren't contributing um, the the way they should. Daniel, you know the first thing that I would have addressed, but you know I, I had to start with the Cardinals. They're twentieth in home runs. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, what are they in strikeouts? Number one <laughs> uh, at the top. That's what I figured, uh, Daniel. The Giants, man, how are they still up there, bro? You tell me. Because they, they're grizzled vets. They know how to win. <laughs> they're and Taylor Broadways. Apparently, man, because they're the best team in baseball right now. I mean, they. I don't think it's because they're doing anything spectacular. I just think they're very consistent and good at what they're good at. Um, they don't give away too many opportunities for teams to take advantage of them and they take advantage of the opportunities that are given to them. So 
Um, I mean, look at it last. It seems like every, every time we talk, we look at their last 10 and it's always seven and three, eight and two, nine and one. I mean, I think one week we looked out of it and it was six and four, but you know, they're consistently winning the week. And so when you do that, uh, you give yourself a really good chance. I just think that the Dodgers and the Padres just, I don't think they're going to go away and they're going to keep putting a lot of pressure. So the question really falls on the giants. Can they maintain this for another half of the season? And that I don't know. You know, you know what else catches my eye in that division, man, poor Arizona, 17 straight losses. Ooh. Oh, they're, they're terrible. That, they're that hurts. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I, they, they haven't been good since shit, since Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. <laughs> right. I feel like. so, so let me, add, let me go ahead and Randy. Before we move on, I want to talk about something. We talked about how the, you know, the Astros or whatever. So I looked up who strikeouts the most, right? St. Louis is actually 23rd best. They don't strike out near as much as I thought they did to your credit. But the team that strikes out the absolute least is the Houston Astros. This is something I did not see coming. The team that strikes out the most by a pretty large margin is the Tampa Bay Rays. Hmm. Seven hundred. Take that, take that for dad, Daniel. Well, hey, I'm kidding, bro. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. It's not a shot. I was just that, thinking about who strikes out the most. You get the top five. I won't name them all. Tampa, Detroit, Seattle, Milwaukee, and Miami. And then at the bottom five, you got Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Kansas City, the Mets, and the Astros. Those are that strike out the least. It's because the Astros know what pitches are coming. Oh. <laughs> Go bang on the drum. Well, I, I got one more. <laughs> I got one more question that either of you guys can take it. Um, when it comes to home field advantage, I feel like in baseball, it's not nearly as significant as as basketball and football. Would would you guys agree with that? I don't know. The reason – okay, well, let me get to the reason why I asked. The New York Mets, by by a nice margin, have the best record at home in baseball. They are 21-8 and eight at home, but they are 16-22 and 22 away. So, that's the reason why I asked because I don't feel like baseball is the same as those other two when I, when I really think about it. So, what is it so comforting for the Mets about being at home versus being away? I just think sleeping in your own bed, waking up and going to the park and having your schedule, seeing your, your, your family. I think that makes a difference, makes you happier, gives you, you know, less stress. So you tend to play a little bit more relaxed, more loose. Um, you know, I, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's valid. I was just curious. Cause I mean, when you look at it, I mean, they, they, they're a team that's sitting at the top of their division. And I mean, they're maintaining just based on that home record. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think baseball, especially in the regular season, home field advantage is not as, as crucial of a statistic as, as it is in other, in other areas. Um, I think when you get to the playoffs, playing at home is a little bit different. But during the regular season, just because there's so many games, like you, you have to win on the road away um, during the regular season to give yourself a, any any type of shot because you got to 
realize half your games are going to be away. So because like, I mean, just just to use another team, for example, um, you know, the Red Sox, who are sitting at the top of their division, they're 20 and 17 at home. They're 23 and 12 away. So like, you know, they're a, a lot better of a away team. So like I was I was just curious. And I mean, you know, I don't I don't know if it is or not, because I'm not a big league player and I don't know what it's like to play home or away. Yeah, I'm going to go with the fact that it, it's being at home allows you to relax and, and, and be loose and be on a, a better schedule than traveling out anywhere, especially if you got to go to a West Coast swing and you're from the East Coast or vice versa. Randy, I'll, I'll ask you this. There's been a lot of talks and, you know, they're, they're, they're cracking down on, on pitchers and substances and what, what they can use on their hands and what they can't. Garrett Cole is pissed off because the nobody is talking to the pitchers about it and trying to fix the problem with the pitchers. The Rays, arguably one of the Rays' best pitchers, Tyler Glass now, is, is hurt and probably will be out the rest of the season. And he blames it on not being able to to grip a baseball and having to choke the baseball to death and causing more strain on his arm. But now, what's your take on, on these pitcher substances? Is it is this a whack rule? Or are they reading too much into it? Or what do you think the deal is? I think that, you know, DB, I'm going to take a direct shot at you because pitchers are cheaters. I mean, that's just <laughs> the way it goes. And, uh, you know, I think BBC was on to something. Uh, now, I, honestly, though, it's been one of those unwritten rules. You know, they talk about it. And baseball's a long history of these unwritten rules. So everything else in baseball is changing. And I know a lot of people don't like it. And I think that what baseball is doing is trying to get away from some of that to invite fans back in. You talk about the bat flips and whatever else. But getting to this, you got a lot of old school pitchers in here. Like Garrett Cole's one of them, Adam Wainwright, all those kind of guys that are in, you know, Wainwright said he'd invite them in. So I think it's long known that these guys are using substances and using whatever they can to get an advantage. And I think hitters are kind of doing the same thing before you jump on me and say that pitchers aren't the only ones that cheat. Um, but I think it's a lot to do about nothing. We know what's going on. It's been going on. It's just been a gentleman's agreement. Let them do what they do unless it's just blatant. Like you got to, you know, stick them on your thumb, let them play. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can see both sides. Um, I don't know what the – I just find it funny, like, why all of a sudden now? If this has been happening for so long, like, why now, Jim? I mean, what, what's your take on this? Are you for these substances, against these substances, or you just don't really care? For whatever helps uh, bombs, so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like stick bomb. it to the pictures. Yeah. I, I get you. All right, well, well Jim, since – that's how you feel about pitchers. We're going to move on. We're going to move away from the MLB, but uh, we're going to go to some college baseball. And I want to get your take, man. You had the opportunity to see uh, the first two days in Omaha um, at the College World Series, see some live games. Talk to us about the experience and, and, and what you saw. Yeah. Um, now, first, uh, I want to shout out the the fan bases of the, the teams that we were going – there, or I went there to support, you know, we've had guests on um, Tennessee and Mississippi State by far traveled the best uh, of all the fan bases, um, hands down. Um, you know, I was just talking about digging bombs. Um, 
Man, that was probably the hardest part of the weekend, and I'll, I'll let Randy touch on Tennessee. But I, I really wanted a Tennessee bat flip. I'm, I'm really, I'm really depressed that I didn't get that. But you know, starting with the, the Friday night game, I didn't go, or excuse me, Saturday night game. I didn't go to the early Saturday game. Um, you know, and obviously NC State won and continued their their Cinderella story, and uh, they won again today, as a matter of fact. But watching uh, Vanderbilt and Arizona. And uh, that was a great game because, um, you know, Kumar, Kumar, you know, he started off a little rocky, but once he got dialed in, um, I got to see the electric stuff that that I've heard about. And then as far as both teams as a whole, like, um, you know, the game was 3-1, then it was 3-3, then it was 5-3, then it was 6-5. Like, um, it was just a back-and-forth battle, um, went to extra innings. Um, you know, walk off, walk off in the twelfth by Vanderbilt. So cool, cool atmosphere, cool way to to start it off. And and Vanderbilt, um, you know, I'm I'm really surprised. You know, the being able to survive that game and then having lighter up next, I, re, I really thought they would they would win uh, against NC State. But you know, Randy, Randy touched on it when we originally talked about it. He said, "Man, be scared of the Cinderella team. Like once you get there, and especially you knock off Arkansas." I mean, it gives you all the confidence in the world, right, Randy? No, absolutely. And NC State's playing great baseball. I mean, but, man, you got to shout out to Jack Leiter, though. I mean, both of them guys pitched great tonight. But Jack Leiter, and I'm sure we're going to touch on it with, you know, Bednar, but Jack Leiter struck out 15 tonight, too. His team just was on the wrong side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And so since you since you went Bednar, I mean, I got I got to go there next. Um, we'll, we'll get to the Tennessee, and I'll let you – and I'll let you break it down even though I was there. Um I texted you guys after Madden pitched that that top of that first inning, and I said to you guys, Mississippi State was in for a long night. So if any Mississippi State people are listening, I'm not gonna lie, I was I was nervous because he was dealing, and you know we've seen what he's done all year. We know where he is on the draft boards, and Bednar, however, is coming off some rough starts to say the least. And then, man, what a performance that kid! I mean, 15 strikeouts. And absolutely just owned Texas through six innings through six. And, you know, I, you know, I'm texting you guys in real time and I'm like, I see Sims warming up in the bullpen and I'm like, I'm like, do you just go to Sims automatically? Like you normally would, or you let this kid keep throwing? Like normally it's a no brainer. Um, but the way, the way Bednar was pitching, he obviously let him go. Now, of course that leash was extremely short. Um, and Sims came in and closed the door, but yeah, like, Bednar, I mean, that's a performance for the ages. And between the two of them, they set a, a college World Series record with 21 strikeouts. Well, we got to shout out our boy Cameron James, you know, uh, was walking with his dad after the game last night. And as he pointed out, Cam in their game had the first walk, first hit, first run, first stolen base. And so, uh, man, shout out to, to Cameron James and in uh, his game and shout out to Mississippi State. Um, they also made the night for my son, you know, um, posted the pictures, sent them to y'all. Man, uh, those, are, those are some really nice guys, man. And they, they not just with my son, the whole fan base, they were hanging around the hotel, signing autographs, taking pictures, enjoying the moment um, with the fan base. I told you how well Mississippi State traveled. And so um, that was cool. And, uh, you know, even though I was there for Tennessee, Randy, I'm, I'm going to let you break down that game. 
Well, first of all, you know, everybody saw the score, 6-0. And if you weren't watching the game, I mean, that seems like a blowout, right, in baseball. And 6-0, 6-0. There's no – I don't think if you talk to any of the guys that have been on this podcast, they would make any excuses. Uh, but for me, a couple different things happened in the game. First inning, you know, they get two runners on, you know, no outs, and you don't score. Uh, and then you do that again, I think, in the third or fourth inning. And they were some, they were 0 for 8 or 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, I thought that Cheese really battled through. Uh, I thought he pitched well. I, I think he pitched well enough to win. Uh, you know, you touched on it earlier. Uh, he His run support that he's had all year just wasn't there. And it wasn't that they weren't getting on base because they were. They're doing what they do. They're drawing walks. They're poking some things. And you touched on it, too. They had runners on first and third. Liam hits a scud to the four hole. The guy makes a great play, uh, but that's a hard hit ball. Probably one of the hardest hit balls of the, of the night. And it, it just didn't break their way. Yeah. The and, one that um, killed me was where Pavs bunted over and you had men on second and third for Liam yeah. and then go the way. I mean, he, he yeah. did his job. You had the guys there. I thought they were going to get it then. Yeah, I mean, the, the first, the first inning or the second inning, they had two guys on no outs and no, that's what Randy was talking about. That's the first inning. It was yeah. right out the gate. Yeah. yeah. That that's, not demoralizing for those guys because they, they hit the ball really well, but it's a definitely a missed opportunity that kind of deflates you a little bit. And then you go out and you realize, Oh shit, it's the seventh inning. And we, we haven't done Jack. Then the pressure mounts. So, um, and honestly, shout out I, to uh, Virginia though. They, he, he pitched phenomenal. Like, he, yeah. And the defense, I mean, there was a lot of great plays. Obviously we talked about the dude who snapped off Liam, but even that double play that was flipped with the glove by, by the dude uh, for, for Virginia, the shortstop. I mean, that was a nice play. They were there. I was, guys, I was just shocked because, you know, watching on TV, watching them hit specifically bombs all year, guys, the wind was blowing out so hard. And so I'm sitting there telling these, these people around me because it happened to be neither um, Tennessee nor Virginia fans anywhere around me. It was either people that were from Nebraska or fan other fan bases. And I kept talking about, you know, just give it time, give it like, you know, when there was no runs in the first X amount of innings, I'm like, Tennessee six to start hitting the long ball. And it just never happened. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I mean, this wind was blowing out hard. And I thought, man, they're fixing to start teeing off at any point. And Randy, I just, I mean, I could, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I even sent you the text. I said, who is the first bomb? Nobody. Yeah. I, you know, and you saw, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, I saw some people overreacting, you know, saying, Hey, it's the moment's too big. And I, that's bullshit, you know, pardon my French, but the moment wasn't too big, but I will say this. They did seem a little bit more tight than they have all year. Like they've been loose, and and, I'll, and shout out, I'm going to say that back to Mississippi State for just one second, especially Bednar. Those guys were so loose in the dugout, and especially Bednar, even when he gets pulled out of the game, he's, you know, ranting, he's going for Sims, and he's, you know, messing with the camera. They were really loose, and I just thought that Tennessee, almost like they were pressing. These guys got nothing to prove, and I know that they know that, and I know Vitello said that. You know, he said some things after the game, like Tennessee fans deserve more you know, bump that, that team, after all they've done this year, they deserve more from themselves. So I think you're going to get a different effort, you know, tomorrow against Texas. It doesn't get any easier. Virginia's yeah. a great team, but man, Texas is a lot. Not only are they really good, that's a storied program, great coaching, great pitching, great talent. And come to think like this, those guys didn't hit either. They scored one run and they, it was a late home run against one of the best closers in baseball. So, I mean, they're coming in feeling like, well, we didn't play anywhere near our best game. 
So I uh, think tomorrow's going to be – you're going to learn a lot about both of those teams. Well, we're going we're to find out. You know, you already said you done laid down the facts on who the real UT is. But I told you I wanted these two teams to meet up. And so we, we're going to get to find out. But, uh, Daniel, well, but, some, what, what wins this game, though? Is it is it going to be hitting or is it going to be pitching? Hitting. It's going to be hitting. I, I think to, to, to uh, Jim's point earlier, he talked about Blade uh, Tidwell. He's been great all year. Uh, but I think that – and I told you all this when they played in the Super Regionals. After every time that that offense has struggled, not like they struggled against Virginia because I haven't seen that all year, but after every time that they've done that, they've come out the next game and exploded. So I fully expect this to be, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is eight to six or seven to five, I, both teams to score. Well, the reason why I don't think that is because I don't think Blade will do that. But then again, you are talking about the college world series and you're talking about a freshman. Daniel, I did want to get your point of view on it because you sent a text in real time and I'm sitting on the third baseline. So my view of the strike zone is not yours. And you said Tennessee was not swinging at the good pitches and chasing the bad ones, which is what something they don't particularly do. I mean, talk, talk about that. Um, I think they were taking pitches early in the count, putting themselves in behind in the count and swinging at borderline or bad pitches late in, late in the counts. Um, I think that's not a typical of UT. I think they're going to work the counts, but put themselves in really good favorable positions to, to swing at, at, at better pitches or a better selection of pitches. Um, I, I will say that the strike zone, there, there's a little inconsistency more so it seems like the vertical zone is much more consistently called than the, the lower half of the zone at the knees and below. Um, and I, I say that because just some guys are given below the knee for a strike. Some guys are given off the plate for a strike. Um, but it seems like all umpires are given letter high pitches for strikes. So, um, Hopefully there, there's a consistent zone. And to be honest, I, I think Tennessee just needs to come out and just be super aggressive and, and just just go back to hitting power baseball and, and see how many runs they can put up. Um, because and get that, some I, swag back. Yeah, I, I don't think they're a team. And, and I, I mentioned this to you guys during that game. I said, sometimes you got to be unorthodox with your style and you got to go to start bunting the ball and, and moving guys over so that when you do get a hit, when they're hard to come by, it means more. You're getting runs from those hits. Um, you know, unfortunately. I do think that Vitello has played small ball this year. And to Jim's point earlier, I don't know that I've seen Pavaloni bunt at all this year. And he did lay down a bunt. I hear what you're saying, and I agree 100%. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see them. I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow if Liam doesn't lead off with a bunt, to be honest. Yeah, get those guys, make them make plays. Um especially, you know, if you're not swinging the bat overly well, like, and you're struggling and you're, you're more of a, a, a better hitter, better hitting team than you are, a bunt's not a bad idea to get guys moving and put the ball in play and make other teams, you know, make plays. I think, I think the reason it's unique for them is being that I've watched, I've literally watched like 90% of the Tennessee games this year. I don't know a, a lineup one through nine that, that has so much power that I think that's almost the reason why it feels odd, right? Like, it, none of those – like, Pavoloni, yeah, he's batting nine, but we we know how good a hitter – he's actually, you know, having a down season, but we know the power he has. And so, it just even seemed weird. Durkay ain't going to do it in the eighth spot. You know, um, uh, 
Beck in the seventh spot has got what? He got 15 bombs on the year. He's not somebody you expect to do it. So, yeah, I think there's just so much power in that lineup that you expect them just to swing away. But, Daniel, to your point, I mean, sometimes, you you know, you got to pick your spots and you got to do it. So, we'll see. But I think I think with the pitching advantage, um, you know, I think Tennessee wins. And I don't know if it'll be as close as, as Randy even said. I, I think – I think Tennessee comes out and smacks them in the mouth, and that's not because uh, I want it to happen. I actually believe that to happen. Well, I, I did see a stat. I think it was yesterday's game, and it talked about um, teams that won the College World Series losing their first game, and it, it probably happens more frequently than you guys would imagine. Obviously, it's not the best way to to make it to the, the championship round, but um, it, it can happen. With that, who, in your opinion, Randy, is, you know, is, is Tennessee the team or is it a different team that has the, the better road to making it to the finals now that they've lost a game? I mean, well, now that Vandy's lost a game, I, I, oh I got to <laughs> say that's, that's tough. Well, think um, about it, though. They're two, their next game's going to have to be without one of the aces, Randy. It is, but you know, I, I just I I'm mean, I'm gonna go Tennessee, and that's probably a little bit with my heart. But I just feel they also have a lot tougher matchup. I think Stanford is legit, but I think Vandy's better. I think they're gonna do enough to win that game, and then they're back in there. Then you got your then your starters are back, right? Your your two aces. I think if Tennessee can get past Texas, th- no games are easy, right? I mean, they wouldn't. I think if if so, if Mississippi State Virginia play, if Mississippi State wins, don't they play Virginia again? Yeah, that's what that's actually a question I was gonna have for either of you guys if you knew because when I saw the original bracket, not the one that we got we got pulled up, it made it look like you weren't guaranteed to stay in the same bracket. Like like on down the road, you could flip and be on the other side. But the way this one currently looks, it looks like the teams that are on the ones on bracket two are set there and the ones that are in bracket one are set there. So because that's the question I've wondered simply just from a Mississippi State, Tennessee perspective. I, I've been trying to figure out is is the path that they're going to have to go through each other before the championship, no matter what. So the, yeah. the way the way that it reads is Mississippi State will play Virginia. Whoever loses that game will play the winner of the Tennessee Texas game. Whoever wins that game will then play Mississippi State and they'll have to beat Mississippi State twice to make it to the championship series. And that's best of three regardless, right? Correct. And then the same thing for the top half of the bracket. Whoever wins between Vanderbilt and Stanford, they will they will have to play NC State and beat NC State twice to make it to the championship series. Yeah, that, that's heartbreaking yeah. for me because there's no scenario where the two teams I want to make it the most can make it together. I hate no, that. they wouldn't. And that's I, that's what I'm saying. I love Tennessee. Obviously, I want them to win more than anything. But going back to that question you asked me earlier, I think Vanderbilt's the team with the with the best shot to do it because I think they're going to beat Stanford, and then I think you put them back against NC State, and I don't think. That I don't, I think they beat them if they play them again twice. twice. It's just here's here's the thing it's just the way the schedule lays out when you have an off day in between your days and then you play. Like, let's say Vanderbilt beats Stanford, they get an off day and then they play NC State, they potentially will have Rocker for that game, and if they win, they'll they have another day of rest and they're going to have lighter for that game. So, you know, then you have two days off 
before the championship series starts. So it's like, all right, you can get those guys. Well, you're gonna get those guys back for three potential starts to win you the the championship. You got three chances to win two games with those guys as your starters. I I take those off. Yeah, and but as far as and and you were talking about from a loser's uh, perspective, who's had a loss already. As you, as I look at this and I'm now understanding it more, I think Mississippi State is in a really good spot because, you know, they, they went Bednar. McLeod is actually the the number one. Um, and, I and you know, Mississippi State, it's the third time in a row they've been here. I think I think they're, you know, nothing against Virginia, and they looked great against Tennessee. I think Mississippi State's a win. And so based on the way you just broke it down, and Mississippi State already had the most pitching depth as far as starters – like and then they got that the, if they were to win that the break they would get I I don't know man I think it's in their favor. Yeah, I don't know, I, and I think we're talking about NC State, but we're not. We didn't really talk about Virginia. Obviously, they played great against Tennessee, but they've been playing great for for a minute now. Like that team has really, really found their stride. Here, here's yeah, what they were a really te- tough they were, game. They were really tested, and, and they were they were battle tested and ready when dbu played them That's... here's what i'll tell you guys in That's regards true. to mississippi state since since watching my year if if i told you that they were gonna beat texas and they were gonna do it with tanner allen and logan tanner going over eight you'd probably said probably not and so the fact that they were able to win it with their hottest hitter and their best hitter um not providing anything at all um because I, I don't expect them to do that two games in a row if you didn't give me those stats, but you told me they're going to be strikes out 15, 15 I, I would six, take, yeah. I would be like, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I thought they were going to have to win it because they were going to have to get to Madden. And that, that wasn't the case. Cause obviously they, they only got the two, um, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, they wasn't cause they're out hitting bombs. I mean, they had to work their ass off to get it. All right. So come, come, this time next week, we're going to be game one of the championship series. Randy, who you got? Who's in it? I'm going to go with uh, Vandy and Tennessee. Okay. Jim, who you got? <clears throat> NC State and Mississippi State. Decent. No, Nobody wants to take Virginia? Nobody. Virginia thinks I'm taking an L, but hey, I'll say this. But here's the thing, Randy. Uh, before that, before I get accused of a homer pick, remember I picked Tennessee before this thing started. I just now like the position Mississippi State is in because if you, I mean, you asked me to lay money on a team before this thing started, I would have laid all my money on Tennessee. Yeah, but that's also recency bias, right? So I mean, that Mississippi State. Had a big uh, okay, win last I mean, night. right. I got to go off what yeah. I just saw in person. Right. True, true, true. But I think that you, I got to see them play Virginia right now. Virginia, other than NC State, and you could even argue Virginia's the hottest team in the world. College, but, but right to now. both of y'all, but you say that, but both of y'all texted me during the game, and we talk about today. Tennessee could have won that game if they would have just done what they were supposed to do. I mean, oh, for sure. But you got a guy that you know, an Abbott that was their pitcher. He's a pro. I mean, he pitched his he, ten strikeouts. Then the, then the then the guy comes in. He he pitch, he has another five strikeouts. So I mean, pitching. DB pointed this out several months back when we we're talking about this. You know, give me the arms over the bats any day because so many more things have to go well for the hits to win you games. And I, that's where 
And I think Virginia, and I know that you're saying pitching depth, Virginia has the pitching to absolutely beat everybody well, that they're going to play. When with. I agreed with y'all on the pitching, and that's why I've been picking Vanderbilt all year. So you say, why I pick NC State? I picked NC State because I've picked them to lose every step along the way. So, like, I just figure I might as well just pick them at this point because they just keep winning. Trying to reverse jinx it. I like it. <laughs> all right, guys, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk NBA. Um, we are, are into, finally, uh, Eastern Conference Finals and a Western Conference Finals. The West is already one game in. Um, Randy, you got the, the Suns, you know, taking game one from the Clippers. You got some guys out with injuries and guys with protocol. Um, how, do you, how do you see this series going? Uh, I think it's going to go seven games, but I want to talk about something for a second. I'm going to rewind. Chris Paul wasn't able to play game one, and they still win. So, you know, shout out to Devin Booker and, and you know, the, the guys. But I want to talk about another 40-point game, did he not? He did. He did. But I think everybody needs to – first thing, everybody that needs guy, to slow down. I know he's going to go to the Kobe Bryant thing right now. Everybody <laughs> needs to slow down on the Kobe stuff. I So, if you're – I said it that I think the comparison is Kobe, but to say that he's the next Kobe without even getting to a finals, pump the brakes a little bit. Let book be book. But – I want to talk about Chris Paul for a second. I want to read y'all his stats in round two. Four games played, 25 and a half points, 62.7 field goal percentage, 75% from three, 10 assists a game, five rebounds a game, and 1.6 steals a game. Those are absurd numbers from a point guard and obviously the unquestioned leader of the team. It's D-Book's team to go get the points, but that is Chris Paul's he is the floor general, and you can't say enough about the way that he played. Uh, I, I'm, and while we're talking about the Clippers, since we talked about that game, we've all given a lot of hell to PG. Dude has been balling in these playoffs. Five of his last six games, he's had 30. He's been rebounding. He's been defending. You know, we, if we're going to give him all of the uh, criticism when he doesn't play well, you got to shout him out when he does because he really put the team on the back when Kawhi Leonard was out. He wasn't enough yesterday. But he's been playing well. Yeah, no doubt. I'll say this on the Booker, and you know, because obviously uh, triple doubles are something that I pay attention to in my life. I didn't say dude's name because y'all say I always say his name no matter what episode. Anyway, he didn't just drop 40, but he dropped 40 and had 13 and 11 also. But, you know, Randy, you've talked about Aiden, me and you both have, and his growth. I mean, he had 20 points, um, nine rebounds on a very efficient 10 of 14. And, um, you know, so, I mean, he's doing big things. I, you know, and, hey, you, you shouted him out last time. I'll do it again. Cameron Payne, you know, being a significant part of this team. I mean, I remember at Oklahoma City where the only thing he was a significant part of was the dance routines before the, the game. Yeah, I know, no doubt. Shout out to campaign. You know, Germantown High School, Memphis home. So, let me ask you this, Jim. You know, obviously the, the Suns win game one. The Clippers don't have Kawhi. Um, you know, is when is Kawhi coming back? And if he does, does does him being able to play make a make a difference? Yeah, no, it absolutely does because it takes some of the the load off PG. Yeah, you know, Randy is talking about what he's doing, but man, at a at a point, you know, he's done it back to back games now. Um, it takes its toll. Plus, Paul George, you got to remember, you want to be able to 
to utilize him on the defensive end and him taking 29 shots is absolutely not ideal if he, if you're trying to get him on both ends. And you, we know Kawhi plays both ends. Um, my question is, I hadn't even looked into it. Um, you know, we're talking about Kawhi playing. It, do we have any word on Chris Paul and it, when he will play? He'll be back. Kawhi will not. Okay, so if that – I mean, yeah. that Because that was going to be my thing in regards to your question, Daniel. If Chris Paul is back, I, I don't really care if Kawhi's back. Give me the Suns for game two at home. Yeah, it's it's almost a wash because you, you, you get two superstars. And, you know, what I think is cool is that you had Chris Paul, the leader of that team, and now he, he's able to – get those guys believing and, sh you know, not showing them how to win because obviously they, they were, they learned quickly how to win in the bubble last year, but he now isn't in the game. And it's like, he's like, all right, guys, go do your thing. Go do the things that I I've showed you how to do. And they, they went out and they, they took control of the game late and, and, and pulled off a big win. And a part of that is, is Booker scoring 40 and, doing his thing but when Chris Paul comes back yeah they're just going to be that much better I don't for he's not a guy in my opinion that's gonna you know make you worse so yeah no doubt hey Randy on the Kobe Bryant thing man and and I, I hate it and I and you were the very first person I thought of obviously as soon as I saw it I mean I swear I was like oh god Randy on hate the hell out why did why can't somebody just play well and there not be an instant comparison right like i know that's the society we live in right but like damn man can't somebody just score 40 and not be somebody else yeah i, I think that the way I, you know you can almost understand why they compare book to kobe because of the swagger and because of, he's really a walking bucket and all that stuff he's got a killer instinct same thing they did with Kobe, right? He was always MJ, but in, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I, I hate it. That's why I said let Book be Book because, to me, that almost diminishes what he's doing because he can't even do what he's doing without being compared, you know, to Kobe. And, obviously, that means more right now because Kobe just passed and it's this legendary thing, but I don't like it, man. I don't like it. So, like Tony Allen said, who stamped you, you know? <laughs> who stamped you? That's right, bro. So, all right. Randy, I'll, I'll get to the Nets because, you know, I, I said it and, and I probably, you know, I, I am wrong. Um, well, no, Katie, you're not. Katie, you're not wrong. KD could have carried that team by himself and he showed that. Oh, yeah. However, what I think is glaring is that the Bucks are not a team that has that killer instinct in them. They're not like I could like, this is me. I think the Hawks can go and just run rough shot over them because I, I don't think the bucks are, they just don't have it in them. And I could be wrong about that too, but there was nothing in that series that told me that the bucks have a killer instinct. They had every opportunity with superstars, not in the game or a factor in the game. And they still, had to win the series in a game seven in overtime and, you know, shout out to those guys that, that, that did their thing in overtime, but still like they basically almost let one guy beat them. Let me, let me go on the record before I go on to Kevin Durant. Uh, the bucks are going to win in four games. <laughs> it's not even going to be close. 
It's not even going to be because the the matchups. I, I agree with what you're saying, but what they went up against was the best offensive player in the NBA in the last this generation since Kobe. Kevin Durant. Let me let me let's go into his stats for just one second. So in seven games, he scored thirty-five and a half a game, shot fifty percent, five and a half assists, eleven rebounds, and almost two steals. And he was one. If he didn't wear a size too big of a shoe, like you said after the game, that he would have put that team away. And you're right, but that's the greatest offensive player. And I know what you're gonna say, Trey Young, dude. Nah, he's too little. Uh, if- uh, hey, let me let me let me say so. Let me say something, Randy, on that that Kevin Durant thing. We've we've had this discussion for years. I've never denied his greatness, but it got this goes all the way back to when when Westbrook had gotten hurt, and I said, and remember he was all alone, and then they got beaten five by the Grizzlies, and and it, this goes further than this is not supposed to be a Thunder thing. This is the NBA in its entirety. You can't do it by yourself in today's league anymore. You've got to have somebody else, and that's where I was saying, Daniel, you weren't wrong. You, you were wrong about the KD thing, maybe, but you predicted that Nets would not win it because you said they would not stay healthy. So that's why I said you weren't wrong. And KD, as great as he was, couldn't do it by himself because in today's league, it just seems to be you've got to have at least that second guy. Right, hey, DB, to, to, I want to bring up something that you brought up last week on the podcast. Uh, or maybe it was earlier in a, on a text message, I'm not sure. But, you know, you had an issue. You took heed to the fact that, Giannis acknowledged Kevin Durant as the best player in the world. And then he had a chance after game seven. He said, hey, look, you know, you said he was the best player in the world. And he – no hard stop said he still is the best player in the world, and he proved that again today. I mean, because – I mean, he did put up 50. He put up a 50-piece, and he just legs – like like Jim said, the reason you can't do it alone is because they were throwing everything. They had P.J. Tucker – but I still have the hugest issue. Why does Giannis not guard that dude? The last play of the game, you know what they did and what the Grizzlies did against Durant is they put a smaller, better defender. Love P.J. Tucker, love his heart, love all that. Give me Drew Holiday 10 times out of 10 because KD's going to score. I don't care who you put on him. He's going to score. He's seven foot. and But make it as tough as you can possibly make it for him. That's what Drew Holiday does. Drew Holiday does that. P.J. Tucker is undersized to be against any slug. Well, I don't want to say slow. He's just not – he ain't stopping KD. Yeah, well, and I'll say this, though, about the Giannis thing. What's funny is, I mean, he's been a human highlight reel on defense um, through this whole series. Uh, and it, 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 that and that's – I think that's probably why he's given Durant the credit because anytime he has been on him, Durant still just made him look bad. And, and that speaks to your point there. It doesn't really matter who – who you guard him with, but I mean, you got him, but they did show a stat the other day. His st- Kevin Durant stats against when Giannis is only, it's only, it was only six times. He's one of six when, Ke- when Giannis was guarding him as a primary defender. Mm. I, I mean, that's a small sample. You can't really gain a lot from that, but I guess my bigger question was DB. Do you have even more of an issue with him saying that after they, they win the series? No, I think it just validates my point that they're weak. Like <laughs> Kobe Bryant would never say that. Mm-mm. But Gian, Giannis, we, we've we've had that conversation forever. Kobe. He's built he's built different. I mean, he's not wired like his post game interviews. He's always the happy, smiley guy, win or lose. Like I don't know, he's just and that is weak. And you got to go out there like if he want if he wants some credit, okay, he needs to go out there and say, well, 
Kevin Durant could be the best player if he could do that against me. But you got to guard him, and you got to tell Mike Budenholzer my check. But see, that's that. Here's the difference between Giannis and 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 a great player. Great players will tell the coach, "This is what I need to do. We're going to do this." And the coach—that's a great point because we we say a lot. A lot of people say it, not us specifically, specifically, but a lot of people say that about LeBron. He's not this. He falls short of that. But every time they played the Warriors or every time they played the Thunder back when they were the Heat and the, they were battling, who guarded KD? LeBron did. That's right. Crunch time, LeBron did. Because if I'm going down, I got to go down with my best bullet. Just like you talked about with Taylor Broadway earlier, Mike Bianco made that. If I lose, I got to do it with my best dude on him. And it's not Chris Middleton. It's not P.J. Tucker. It's not Drew Holiday. It's Giannis. Giannis got a. He's a two-time MVP and a two-time Defensive Player it's of the Year. Player of the Check Year. Check the man. Like, show it. Show it. All right. So, you know, we we talk about the Bucks and and Randy. You said you don't think it's going to be close with them and the Hawks, but uh, my question, Jim, is, is is simple: Are the Hawks good, or are they just lucky and running into the right opponents? Lucky and running the right opponents. It's almost like you knew what I was going to say. I mean, you got a banged up Philly team. The Knicks were only a decent team to begin with. Um, you know, I mean, shout out to Atlanta for getting to where they are, but I I think Randy's right there. The, the talent on Milwaukee, regardless if they don't have that killer instinct, is just that much better. So I don't, I'll give them five. I won't, I won't call clean sweep like Randy, but I don't think they have a chance. I mean, and, and you know, but Trey Young has proven me wrong before. I, I, I'm not a fan, though. I'm not a fan. So, Randy, the, the 76ers, man, is. To me, and, and the, this is a guy I, I can tell you, I've seen a handful of Philly games. But when Ben Simmons gets shut out in the fourth quarter like he did in these big games, like to me, he's as weak as Giannis is, if not weaker. <laughs> way, way, way. Ra- Randy, Randy, the question I'm going to tag to what Daniel just asked you. Um, I forgot who said it the other day, but remember – Remember, Philly turned down that trade with Houston to package Ben Simmons and and a pick for Harden. And obviously Harden got hurt, but, I mean, you don't know that that's going to happen. But if you have a Harden versus instead of Simmons with Embiid, do you like that team a lot better? Oh, hell yeah. They they. So they should have that- pulled the trigger on that when it came up. Because came the whole thing was I, – I remember it vividly, and then they talked about it on the radio. They – it was – uh, Philly said they didn't want to give anything else. And it was, I remember what it is now. It was Maxi and a first round pick had to come with it. And they said, no, we're not giving anything else with it. Yeah. I, I yeah. He, it wasn't the DB, but yeah. So the point of the matter is Ben Simmons didn't just get shut out. He didn't shoot the ball, bro. He didn't shoot the ball in two straight fourth quarters. I mean, that's, and when they start fouling you like you're Shaq and you can't make the free throws. I mean, it's, it's so to, to, I don't really like the comparison to Giannis because, I mean, if you look at Giannis's stat line, 32 points a game, 13 rebounds, four assists, two blocks a game. I mean, he was doing his thing. Ben Simmons, I got, I got nothing, man. That guy, unbelievable how he just disappeared in the biggest moments. 
and he's the max player. He's the second best player on the team. He's the point guard. To me, I'm not. This isn't overreacting. You got to get rid of him, bro. His team completely threw him under the bus right after they just lost Game Seven. He's he's the reason why the Wizards actually got that one victory. To your point, remember they did the hack a hack of Simmons. Yeah, if you, if you that. remember, that's yeah, that's two, terrible. two for four. But no, it's thirteen five points in thirty six minutes. I, I don't have the stat, and and it's not worth looking up. But in that game that the Wizards won, they fouled him four times in a row, and I think he made two of eight. That's yeah, like man, that's just uh, you can't have that. You can't have that. I mean, you look at you're looking. I know Tobias didn't have the greatest game, but twenty four and fourteen, and you had uh you know Joel Embiid thirty one and eleven. Like you can't ask for any more than from your 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 front court than that. Seth Curry had a good game, three or five from three. Well, don't forget they lost Green too when we're talking about the injuries thing. So you had a banged did, up Embiid and you lost Green. You're still, but you're still yeah. losing players that matter. He's a he's a defensive guy on the perimeter. I mean, you are, but I mean, I, I just I think I mean you go go. Go up to the Hawks stats real quick. They, I watched the game, and I watched Trey Young. Look at that, five of twenty-three. But, but who who would trade for Simmons now at this point, Randy? Because I mean, I would. Warriors. The Warriors. Yeah, I don't even know. You got to you got to match money. I don't know, man. I don't know where he's gonna go. But they have to get rid of him. You can't you can't keep that guy now. Yeah. I mean, I mean you he, can't have Joel Embiid, your franchise but, player, but that's saying, what I'm well, saying. It all fell apart. But the reason I bring you the I brought you the hard thing to begin with is not only to ask for that, but the value difference because you were getting offered guys like James Harden for Simmons. You're not gonna get no offers like that now. Well, no, yeah, I mean that that is true. I, I don't know, man. The the I think that the Hawks to to your point, DB. I, I don't. May, okay, maybe I'll give him five games. I don't believe in this team. <laughs> I, I don't. I think shout out to Nate McMillan, what he's been able to do after they hey. fired a coach coming in and doing the job he's done. Shout out to him. But I ain't seeing Kevin Herter go for another 27 hey, points, hey, bro. It didn't happen. It's very rare that the three of us all, like, don't like the same thing, and none of us have ever liked Trey Young. <laughs> that's a fact. I mean, yeah, he's just – he's so inefficient. I, I don't know, man. I just ain't I – ain't, I'm not buying it. I know what they're doing. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. I get all that, but I'm not buying it. Oh, let me tell you what else I'm not buying, because I know he's not going to listen to this. And I sent it to multiple D.C. people after I seen it. I don't know if y'all seen Austin Riley on Instagram post himself in that Atlanta Hawks jersey, throwing up the deuces. Anyway, nah. anyway, yeah, I sent it to him, and they said that man don't watch basketball at all. That's that's a dude chasing. That hugs. was the Braves PR chasing hugs, baby. <laughs> if I get in trouble for saying that, if it's some way or somehow somebody tells him that I said it, so be it. I'll take it. But I saw that picture and I was like, oh, come on, Austin. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons, but it, it looks like, you know, every everything right now is still early and people are saying they're, they're going to build around him and, and keep him there and make him a winner. But DB, can I ask I you a know, question? I, yeah. What is it getting overlooked because Doc Rivers has a championship with Boston? He's got more game seven losses than any coach in history. Is it getting overlooked? Is it him? He's also got the – he holds the record of three uh, – there's only been like six times that a team has lost a 20-point lead in the playoffs, and half of those belong to Doc Rivers' coach teams. So maybe the, the blame's not going where it needs to go. Maybe, but Doc Rivers ain't – I'm sure Doc Rivers ain't telling him not to shoot the ball. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, that what who's respon- the CEO is responsible for the company, hey, right? Well, hey. Yeah, I mean, but uh, – 
Doc Rivers wasn't there last year, you know, like Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, Rivers won Game Seven for the Clippers. Right. Doc, Doc Rivers once coached a team that won a, uh came back from twenty seven in a playoff game. Yeah, so he's uh, been a part of four of those six. But yeah, I mean, it's not. Oh, you just let that go right by without like uh, getting mad because you know who that's against. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, I remember, and and that's Rudy Gay. That's why I never liked that guy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and and the blame. I mean, it's it's a top down approach, but I don't think in this case the fans. I don't think they're looking at at Doc as being being the problem right now. I think they're wanting to put that solely on the guy who's they thought they kept for a reason, did they not? So, they gave anyhow, a max deal. Yeah, I mean, they said, hey. We're not so sure about you, but here's here's a lot of money. Prove us wrong. And he has yet to do that. So a lot to be to be inquired with, especially after the season and, and, and what might happen. But guys, let's move into this last call. Jim, anything you want to bring up before we head out of here? Yeah, I saved it for last call because I hardly ever have anything and I could have just used it 10 seconds to go in the NBA. But the talks about the Orlando Magic talking about Penny Hardaway as a possible head coach. Um, that's a very interesting, um, you know, discussion because they were talking about having an Orlando great and everything. Obviously, I think it's just talk and chatter, and Penny, with what he's trying to build here at Memphis, wouldn't go anywhere. But just the very idea that that is a headline and even talking about was something to me because it's something that I would have never thought about. True. Randy, last call, anything? Yeah, um, I want to give a, uh, a shout-out to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Carl Nassib came out today as an openly gay man. Um, as far as I know, maybe one of the first ones, maybe the first one to come out as an openly gay active player. Um, and not only that, he backed it up by saying he was going to donate $100,000 to the Trevor Project. And for those that aren't familiar with that, it's an anti-suicide prevention for the uh, LBGTQ community. So I'm just proud of that dude for living his truth. You know, it's not anybody's job to judge him, but all the, the, the shout-outs that have come from that, the support and all that, and just him having the courage to do that, uh, shout-out to him. Absolutely. Well, guys, it's been another great episode. I want to thank Taylor Broadway for joining us. We're going to look for him in the draft here in the next few weeks, man. I'm, I'm excited. I think I – think He's, he's got a lot of promise. Um, he's a guy who's very headstrong and he, he's very, very positive in what he can do. And he's going to bet on himself at, at every chance he gets. So uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to bring him back on. But if you like hearing stories like Taylor's or more from our average shows, talking X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and anchor as always your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We're going to see everyone next week for episode 15, where we're going to be talking about MMA and soccer. What a, what a crazy combination, but uh, we're going to have Johnny Smith on and Ryan Warsham two two gents that are going to be diving into those things, but it's been a great episode. As always, remember gents, strong body, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We're out. <laughs>